Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, Tuesday, August 31st, isn't it? It's Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. This Woo! comes out on Tuesday. Woo! You're listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 423. I'm your host, Austin Walker. Joining me today, Patrick Klepek. I'm here. And Ricardo Contreras. Hello. Hi. Hello. Hi. Should I turn it- my camera off? I, I, I can hide in the oh, dark. Oh, is mine off? Sorry. It's well, okay. Boom. There it is. I have an All excuse. Right. This computer doesn't like cameras. I have an excuse. I don't like cameras. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's all you that's need. All I need. That's all I need. Uh, no, mine's on now. Hi, everybody. How's Hello. how's it going? I'm t- I was telling, I'm tired. I had to do because of COVID. We it my it was my daughter's Jessica's oldest birthday or her birthday mm. party was this weekend, but we split right. it after seeing like a lot of parents are doing like split parties to like cut down uh. on numbers. It was like the friend party was on Saturday, so she had like her four uh. neighborhood friends over with their gotcha. parents, and then. The family party was on Sunday. Also, uh, kids that young, they, they're not going to pay attention to their family if the <laughs> friends are over. So it was like one of those nah. things where like it was, it was a good, like just because of Delta to even though we're all outside and, and everyone's right. vaccinated. Right. But it's also like, look, the, realistically, she don't give a shit about her aunts if like her like best friends are mm-hmm. over and there is a pirate ship bouncy house in the backyard. So damn. Was, uh, yeah, we got, pirate- yeah, we got. Pirate bounty ship, dude. It was just, it was it was so funny because you uh, it was like a couple websites. We went to the one that had something that looked. A little, we had just gone to a party with a bouncy house. I wanted to get something different than than that one, and so we did. We rented this pirate ship, and they were like, "How when, how long do you want it for?" And so like they you know you could pick a time slot, and it was I was like, let's say like four hours, and then at the bottom it was like, "Hey, for twenty five bucks extra." You can keep it for another three. I was like, right. Yeah, sure. Why, why not? That'll, you know, I'd rather the kids get extra time with it and like the people don't show up and roll it up while they're uh, uh, playing on it. So fine. 25 bucks. I can I can take that. Well, you know, I like, set it for like Saturday, two to seven or whatever at that point. And I get a text message like the next day. They're like, hey, mm-hmm. real busy weekend. And it was it was a hot weekend. It was like one of the hottest weekends we've had all summer. Like, it feels like summer just, like, exploding into a sunburst. And then, <laughs> like, would it shock me if it snowed next week? Like, no. Like, absolutely not. It just felt like the summer was just bringing itself to a, to a close. Um, but, uh, so there's like, hey, can we bring it a day early? We won't charge any extra. I was like, sure. Yeah, that sounds mm-hmm. that sounds cool. And then, like, a text, like, a couple hours later. So, we said we were going to bring it on Friday. What if we brought it on Thursday? I was like, <laughs> all right. Sure. And... And then like the time zone, like the time frame for just kept getting like earlier in the day. So they dropped it, you know, dropped it off at like 11 a.m. You know, some guy, you know, people show up. I signed some clearly mm-hmm. bullshit waiver. It was like very low res JPEGs that, <laughs> that did not seem legally binding and was just someone covering their ass. Yeah. Um, anyway, I signed that and I point in the back. I was like, hey, just, you know, there's a bunch of the roots. 
like that the kids can sometimes fall on, like just make sure you put it over here so they can avoid it. And uh, so they do that. A what? A bunch of what? Tree roots. Like we have a giant ass Wait, tree. Excuse me? Roots. I thought roots. you, yeah. I thought you I, saying, I didn't realize the roof on. and root and roof would translate to, to root and root. And root. That makes a lot of sense to me. Okay. They said rut, like a like a divot in the in the grass. Right, I yeah, like, why are like, no, there ruts? I thought I am a rut personally, but uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. Tree root root rut root. root. No, no, you're root. good. You're yeah, good. It's Keep fine. saying it's just, the way it's yeah. in your heart. <laughs> and because uh, and the, there's these big, we have this giant tree, uh, like right in the center of our backyard, and like those those roots. Uh, go out really far <laughs> and are hard as hell and the kids constantly uh, like fall on them. So anyway, so I, the photo that I sent all of you of like the pirate ship and you're like, who, who is that? Some, one of your neighbors? And it's like, mm-hmm. no, I just turned over. The people were gone and the pirate ship was blown up. And it was just like, <laughs> it's just up. It's, you know, 11 in the, in the morning on a Thursday, multiple 72 hours before this party. Uh, and I called the place. I was like, yo, do I have to just keep this thing going for uh-huh. several days? I'm like, oh no, no, no! You can, you can deflate it. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say, it was it an electric like pump or? Yeah, it's just okay. a big air. Right, air, yeah, air yeah, right. Yeah. Man, right. you can because uh, uh, you know I capped myself. I think we paid two seventy five to have that. Um, you can pay. As much as you'd like, there there is there's, one. There's bigger ones. There's dude, more. There is one. The biggest one you could get. Like I ranked it by like sh- show me what is like corporate event, you know, right. like <laughs> thing. Probably pro or I guess there are some high end neighborhoods not too far from us that maybe they have backyards. It is 125 feet long. It is Jesus. enormous. Um, it, I don't think it would fit. We have a big backyard. And I don't think it would fit. Uh, but it's like an uh, like a three tier obstacle course with like a dunk tank. It's like you want that seventeen hundred dollars, right? Okay, jeez, that's too much. That's too much. It looked really. I wouldn't cool, trust though. myself to. Was it child to, sized? Uh, that's the other thing. Sometimes they're scaled for children, but sometimes it's like, no, this is for adults. This is obviously like a, a work or whatever fest, festival. It seemed thing. like it was like uh, whoever shows up. You know, like okay. the kids could do it. Right. The adults would be the adults would be fine. Um, <laughs> I just feel like I would not want to be administering a dunk tank ever. I don't trust. It seems myself. dangerous. It's dangerous, uh, and it's a it's an inflatable dunk tank. I don't know. We didn't get it. I like the, the grain. The picture was was grainy, but I <laughs> I would like to be the dunkie of a dunk tank. That seems fun. Yeah, I could see that for you. Thank I you. I could see you like thank you, you because you know how to troll an audience and yeah. like yeah, yeah. yeah. I think like if someone fun. missed you would like just torment the shit yeah, out of them. I think it'd be great. Like, Let's yeah. <laughs> just the thing. The funny thing to me is that like I think a lot of people think about your classic rivalries with Dan Riker, your Mario Maker rivalries, and paint him as like the troll and you as like the straight man in that mm-hmm. divide. And I think part well, of relative that, to the two of us, then but, yeah, but that's yes. true. But I think part of why that worked is. You're also you could also be the troll. In I a understand parent. what he was doing too. Exactly, mm-hmm. you understand how to bounce off that because you've been that role before. You think that sometimes that's... I wasn't quite like playing Come those on. levels Come off screen on. to make sure we made progress Come and on. I could infuriate Dan. Shh. It's a fucking work. <laughs> like keep up. Um, we raised a lot of money for a charity. For charity, that, Come on. so it was fine. You're good. Anyway. <laughs> but getting that goatee shaved off was real. So. That was real. I also also never learned how to fly the kite or the the, the cape in uh, Mario Three. That, Wait, really? That, you never? You really never picked up? I never skill? got good. I never oh, got yeah. good. Okay. Um, okay. But I also I made a certain choice 
in, and that doomed me on the level that I didn't finish. The one mm-hmm. that where I made the bet was like, hey, it's New Year's Eve. My wife is angry at me. Can I can I have some extra time? Uh, and that was also a bit. I knew I wasn't going to beat it. Like it was all, you know, uh, right. but uh, uh, I could have like made a Mario Maker level because people were encouraging me to do that. Just make a level that's really to, big. To and train just sit, yourself. Like, practice like yeah but nobody funnier if i if i never I figured never it. it out <laughs> yeah yeah and i didn't exactly um how how is everybody else what are we doing game wise this time what's up i know y'all told me games that are that like we've been playing i don't know i kind of you'll we'll talk about shooty, that shooty stuff again right i'm shooting yeah, yeah. are you destiny is I'm, that, that where we'll hop in today a little bit yeah, yeah the, they started so, a new okay well, i'll, I'll say a this because like I, i've too. seen I've seen uh, the amount of ex- genuine it's excitement. A, a I've real seen excitement. Yeah. Like, and I, and I mean, like, I want to give an outsider perspective of someone who, like gives no, like has tried to get, gotten a Disney, like did the Taken King, like saw what is cool about Destiny and went like, I don't have the time for this. That's fine. Like, it's not mm-hmm. for me. Um, but like the reaction to the Gamescom announcements for the the Witch Queen has, I don't know. I have not seen the timeline explode in that way with just like <laughs> they did it dead game shut the fuck up like right, I, I just right. seems like people are very excited for that plus the fact that they've announced like the conclusion of the destiny 2 arc like ends in what 2024 the end of the light and the dark cycle or whatever yeah. they're they're calling it so well, yeah i'm not, very curious what they mean by that but it's, it's also yeah they, they mentioned like but not the end of destiny 2 it's the de- yeah the right. end of the light and dark saga or whatever they said so mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called the Final Shape. It's a good name. Um, I they yeah they did a couple of announcements here where I was like, they hadn't actually talked about what this current season is at all. Um, and like partially. this season being the free content, the mostly free content. No, that will be coming well, out. it's so not free. It's, it's not it's free. Like a, no, the, okay. the seasons are ten dollars per. Okay. But if you buy the, so the deluxe micro edition, expansion. Basically, if you pay $70 when the expansion comes out, you get all the seasons, right? Like, it's, gotcha. if you right. pay like the, the full game price, you're getting the Destiny for the next year or whatever. Gotcha. Um, okay. So, um, the, but the the thing that I, the, that's what comes out be- between now and Witch Queen coming out, right? Yeah, basically, that, no, that literally started the day they made these announcements. Right, uh, that's what I mean. That's yeah, the, yeah, I'm yeah. saying that it, that, it fills the time between. Um, right. And yes. basically, yes. the the way the structure the structure of these seasons has turned into basically being you you get a story beat like every week, a small mm-hmm. quest that you do when the reset happens um, that moves the narrative forward, and it's been like that since um, the last fall last fall's expansion Beyond Light, where it's actually kind of been a single continuous narrative mm-hmm. instead of uh, seasons before that used to be kind of their own siloed things that are all like running in parallel and touch on different areas, but are telling different stories. It was more like a anthology in the destiny universe where now it feels like the main game is telling one story and we still hit a bunch of different pieces of the lore and stuff, but like there's a main thrust happening right now with Savathun, the witch queen uh, sister to Oryx, who was, the main antagonist in the Taken King, uh, the Taken King, right. the the yeah. most, Got it. yeah, they're they're most um, popular and well known even outside of like the Destiny fandoms. Like expansion, right, is the Taken King. Everyone knows that name as like, oh, that's when Destiny One got really good, right? Right. That's when it right. got really special. 
And so, like, they announced the Witch Queen, the name, uh, back when Beyond Light was being, like, talked about. They, right. like, announced a, a, all the expansions, like, going forward, basically. And it was kind of, you know, it's this big called shot, right? Like, you know the name, the Taken King. Here comes, like, our our Taken King for Destiny 2. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just... This was just after they got out of the Activision deal. Uh, they were finally able to make Destiny what they've always wanted it to be, which it turns out is more like an MMO than before, right? Like this sort of way that the, like, for example, comparing it to like Final Fantasy 14, right? You've got the big expansion and then the patches in between. And all of that is like one continuous narrative where before mm-hmm. it definitely felt like they were being pushed to be like the expansion is the biggest story moment and the other stuff is going to be it's like, like it almost couldn't matter yeah right? exactly that's the thing yeah. it was like it can't be too important because you're going to put all of your resources into making the expansion as big as possible right. in i'm a not a marvel person but it had a real like early marvel netflix show versus right. MCU, <laughs> yes like big major release Totally, you know, uh, totally. relationship. And it's funny because it all they also they even tried to like in that second expansion that came out after like launch Destiny 2, like you kill a worm god, which is all which is like a deep lore thing that was like a big deal, yeah. but in game it fell flat, right? Like there yeah, weren't the re- there weren't fight. the resources to do it like justice or like make it interesting or any mm-hmm. like it just like that whole reveal of the of the worm god coming like Zol coming to Mars and mm-hmm. all that felt like this is it this is your god <laughs> like yeah yeah um, but now and that was a, that was a that was an expansion in right? yeah that was before they were that doing seasons a, right, but it was still right. in between there were like kind of bigger expansions and smaller expansions gotcha, it was kind gotcha. of the same right like right um okay but it was the smaller one where it you know, they did. They obviously didn't put as much resources into that. I think it was mainly actually done by Vicarious Visions. Like they right, had like right, right. sent it out while the main Destiny team worked on the next big expansion, which was Forsaken, which ended up being pretty, like pretty great, pretty solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, I think still to, to this day my favorite of the Destiny two expansions. Yeah, as somebody who's like played these expansions but not the seasons, um, I can definitely agree that. What was the name of the one with Zol? What was that one? That was Warmind, I believe. Right. Uh, Warmind yeah. was like not – it didn't hit like that. But I can imagine if that story had been told over the course of three months or four months. Right. And, and was not – the expectation wasn't that it would be a Forsaken or a Taken King style expansion. Yeah. And if if you could show me that story from a bunch of different interesting perspectives and do the stuff that they've been doing late. Like, I, you know, I'm not – like Patrick, <laughs> I, I, I believe in my heart of hearts that I can't be a full-time Destiny player. Right. Because I'm a full-time Genshin Impact player, unfortunately. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the person I've that's been fair. upset with. Ball drops this week. I cannot fucking wait. Um, the, <laughs> Did you see the trend? The, no. What was – no, I didn't. Is it depressing or is it – Yeah. Can we, can we repeat it publicly? Uh, maybe not. I'll tell you Okay. Later. You tell me that off, off mic. Um, uh, in any case – uh, I still follow the like the conversation as best as I can because I'm surrounded by people who love Destiny and I'm like I care about those people so I want to I want to hear what's what's good and 
the the ways in which this past season have have done a lot of the shit that I think a lot of us have clamored for for a long time mm-hmm. with the fallen and with Mithrax and the like the the inner politics of the tower and the city and like the the last city and like the ways in which different factions have like sided on a different issue you know differently and then there's a big dramatic you know heroic stand at the end like all that shit seems like it hit and maybe it wouldn't have if it had been a thing you bought for 25 bucks or whatever and played through in a single day but right. the the way that that content had been the way that story unfolded over weeks and it's it, when i talked to people who, who did it it sounds like they felt like they were making continual progress on something and unfolding the next stage and if they're going to continue to do that then i get how this stuff could work yeah yeah, no, it's it's definitely the the new tech that they've taken, and even it, it it feels like it allows them to do more narrative that would have been in like those old expansions. Um, mm-hmm. Like I feel like they're more like, uh, and part of it is they've started to pull back on their like very uh, well known voice actors situation where like you know Destiny mm-hmm. One like they hired all the like famous people because they were under activision it was like you know you you want the the whole crew from firefly in there because that's who you get when you want like a big splashy hollywood name um but then that means that if you need new voice lines like it's like a huge like burden on whatever budget you have so it's very obvious that part of the thing was definitely like kind of shifting the focus to these other secondary characters that are in the end, more interesting because we've had more time with them, right? Like, you can't get as much time with the Vanguard and stuff because they're just, like, not gonna get them back as often. Um, so, now that they've done this, it feels like you're getting almost more story than, like, those dedicated, like, mini expansions. Um, even if it's, like, you're only getting it at a, a drip of, like, you know, a couple hours each week. But it does like, mm-hmm. you know, the the way that they change it week to week, if you're if you're keeping up with it, it does feel like, you know, um that sort of progression is like not just in you leveling and stuff, you know, it's in you uncovering new things. Like each time you unlock something each week, it feels like it leads to the thing that happens next week, things like that. Right. You know? Right. Right. Um, and it I think like being included in like the deluxe edition and like or just being ten bucks like it it really is kind of like a surprising amount of content for like that what that signals um and i just like it's been really a really great year of like the the sort of regular cadence of destiny right, right, and this right. um this new season like it's very funny like at the end of last season uh the one where you we were talking about with uh, the the fallen and the 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 vex attacking and all that where like there were factions uh kind of splitting along different sides of the uh should the fallen be allowed to live in the city um they it ended with a kind of like mystery that i thought might not get answered until the next expansion but like here we go well, actually like, actually we open up immediately mm-hmm. onto like kind of talking about that it's like oh right this is this is new destiny. This is the like we're right. getting right to it. Like this is that wasn't a a teaser for something that's going to be <laughs> talked uh-huh. about like a couple years from now. This is like a teaser for the next season in a couple weeks. Like we're going to get resolution and forward momentum on these like plot points that are really fun. Uh-huh. Um totally. 
to seek more to the announcement that was made, one of the like really big things that's really interesting is that they are adding new enemy types to the hive are like bug uh I guess more insect than bug. Uh um enemy like traditional like uh insect alien enemies where now they have the powers we have which mm-hmm. is always a fun thing to to get in the game just like the they literally have ghosts right they have yes literally have they I mean, have like ghosts the... they have it's kind of funny because it's basically a spoiler for what happens in this season a little bit um huh. because this season has us speaking with and working with Savathun. I guess spoilers if you oh. haven't started the season huh. yet, but essentially what happens is... I know is, she's the sister of the Taken King, right? Because that yeah. sounds like someone who I would not want to choose to work well, with quickly. Well, but Taken King also had a different sister, Zivu Arath, who's also doing some bullshit, and they're like, you know, we're kind of maybe helping right, right. them... Right, my enemy. Yeah, exactly. Like and shit. also, uh, she has a hostage. Uh, <laughs> ah, okay. Uh, it's been kind of like long-rumored... Uh, that Osiris ha- was probably being either mind controlled or had been like swapped out by Savathun. And it turns mm-hmm. out that was right. Like she revealed herself to have been Savathun for as long as um, the last year, basically, from Beyond Light. Anytime we saw Osiris, it was actually Savathun, um, mm-hmm. which was a fun reveal. But then she basically goes, like, Yo, my sister's trying to, uh, you know, take over the hive, but I don't want to let her do that. And uh, I have Osiris, and I'll give him back to you if you help me break my bond with my uh, worm. Uh, basically, the, the fucking hive uh, thing is that they have these worms inside of them that give them immortality, uh. but are fed by continual violence. Or in her, um, in her case, she can also feed her worm through deception. Uh, therefore, she's like, <laughs> yeah. <Sure. laughs> um, and yeah, then I definitely would love to work with her. That yeah. sounds like someone who I trust. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We don't. And like Marasov, right, right. uh, queen of the Woken, is back from her like extended. Yeah, uh, that was that was last year or something, right? In Forsaken, she was like around, like you could go right. talk to her. But she's like, she's like, sh- her and Petra are like the main like NPCs for this this season. Gotcha. Cool. Um, and Mara's like, hey, uh, yeah, we know it's Savathun, but if we get rid of, we, if we do this, if we get rid of her worm for her, she's vulnerable. Or she's not going to get get rid of the worm, or this is a ploy. Don't yeah, do this. Yeah, that's Come the thing. On. It's a ploy. It's a ploy. It's obviously a ploy. Mara's like trying to ploy. the last ploy. time you tried to do a big <laughs> fucking ritual to destroy <laughs> the, 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 the fucking hive god? Yeah. Yeah, you disappeared <laughs> for like four years of real lifetime. Yeah. You were gone, gone. <laughs> We thought you were I changed dead. jobs, like, you know. <laughs> um, um, but, God. so yeah, you're trying, you're gonna, the plan is to, if we can get through that process of actually removing the worm from Savathun, killing her while she's vulnerable, but obviously that's not gonna work, because we already know that ne- the next big expansion that happens right after the season is Savathun. Nate is called Savathun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like... Come on. But that's uh, fine. That's fun. I I don't mind the dramatic irony. Yeah. That. Yeah. You know, that's sick. Um, especially um, knowing that basically what we're allowing her to do is to somehow then start manipulating the light and make these the fucking light, ghosts right. and give give other that's hive. That's something I'm most, I'm most excited for. That, yeah. Right. Is like I want to fight 
enemies that just use the guardian powers against yeah. you that have that style of and also th- this feels like who has not if you've been playing destiny you've been talking about the potential of like playing as someone who is not a human guardian right. or not a human awoken or exo guardian for the last five years six years yeah. like, since the, the jump it's been like when, when can i play a fallen when can yeah. i play a hive <laughs> absolutely absolutely like opening up to show outright like oh here are hive like uh character models wielding the light with like evil undead mm-hmm. ghosts is sick and feels like a, a step towards that direction um in a way that could be really exciting i mean yeah. I, maybe we're all just we're all just getting our own hopes up on that you know i'm not gonna who could say? I have a feeling uh, but it that feels like a gesture. Yeah, I think also the the other gesture to me is the like at the end of the dark and light saga, like right. But there's also more to it beyond that, which to me feels like after these next, like after this storyline is over, either there. I don't think Destiny Three is really going to happen, but if the, no, there'll, there'll my, be some my, like big kind of marker to be yeah. like, okay, and now this is new, and that's probably when we if we get. Uh, new new like races or like a revamp of what like the whole yeah. like creating a, a character system is right now uh that it'll probably happen then right i um, yeah at this point i'm more interested in what is the next thing bungie makes that is yeah a new not not more interested i'm interested in how they finish destiny 2 off and i don't know that i do know that obviously a huge amount of people are working on this destiny 2 content but like my intuition is that there are there are people at Bungie being like, all right, what's our next big big thing? Yeah, it's right. what's our next project. Right, right. And so, what is that project? I'm so curious about that. Um, and they'd always said it was it was very far off, and very far off getting announced would feel like 2024. That feels like you get <laughs> yeah. like it wouldn't be it wouldn't be shocking to me. Like, there's not a chance that like they turn Destiny off, but it wouldn't shock me if you saw Destiny shift to like a not backburner, but like a secondary project while a lot of the team uh-huh. pivoted towards, you know, running up uh, whatever, whatever's next. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they'll just be big enough to, you know, it's not 10 cents yeah. out here. Are, are they just about to, they're about to poach uh Negoshi, right? Like they're, uh, yep. uh-huh. uh, uh that, they're, yeah, that news broke last night. And then immediately under every tweet I saw about it was the most sinophobic shit I'd ever seen oof. in my life. Yeah, uh, which I'm not right. surprised by, but you um, know. For, uh, there's a yeah, there's a piece uh, in Bloomberg um, they broke last evening that uh, uh, Nagoshi from who's the the you know has headed up the Yakuza series like uh, p- previous to that Super Monkey Ball like is that a lot of been at Sega for an extremely long time mm-hmm. like like through so many like changes at that company from a hardware manufacturer to a software creator to like it's just. It's Negoshi is one of the few longtime designers who has stuck through there and actually has been like a huge part of like their modern success. Like Yakuza is, yeah, is is huge for Sega, especially Um, as Sega grows as a publisher to represent a lot of different places, a lot of different studios across the world that don't have what we think of as the traditional Japanese Sega like portfolio. Like Sega is the total war company. Sega is Amplitude. Yeah, and like Yakuza is one of the one of the franchises you can trace back to a very particular, you know, Sega Japan lineage that has blown up. And so I definitely get the like, oh, damn, are we going to lose this franchise that we love? You know, uh, I mean, the franchise is staying with Sega. I would say you, have, losing, to, you have to imagine it's, it's 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 a bit of a, mach- you know, machine at this point. Not to say that there aren't lots of human creatives involved making it work, but that it is, you know, it is hard for us to know at this point 
Um, and we won't know until like after this happens and you'll see what, right. what happened. But like, there's every reason to think that like he's left really capable people in charge. They've made yep. lots of Yakuza games and like, let the man get paid. I like, you yeah, know, like go, paid, go get the bag. And, uh, <laughs> and, 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 you know, if you, if you like the games, this, this person's made and you wish that a company like Tencent made games more like to your taste, they're going to do that by hiring people who make games you like. And like, you have to, like, you have to, if you're afraid that this company that has primarily made, or, or again, they're not even, when people get, get, get like up in arms about Tencent, there's a lot, there's a lot to be critical of with a company as big as Tencent because it's like, sorry, um, NetEase, which is, sorry, similar, you're right. You're right. Sim- sorry. I just looked this up. Uh, no, there's two to- things that happened last night. Tencent right. was looking at buying a studio, NetEase, which I think people have more specific complaints about because NetEase's portfolio was much smaller in a real way, right? And they like primarily made their money on mobile. But these are both these are both two companies that Absolutely. are doing. Yes. They're on a acquisition, an embracer esque. Yeah, that was uh, the story. <laughs> the sto- let's be clear: the story broke at like three a.m. last night, yeah. right before I went to bed. So that's that. This is a big part of why those two things got confused. Because the other half of that story is that Tencent was reportedly, allegedly, about to buy some other major uh, Japanese studio. Is it listed, um, or is it just that they were going after a major I, Japanese studio? I think it was just you, you could check Daniel's Juge uh, X's. Yeah, I'm uh, reading through. It doesn't seem like tweet, it's, it's but it's, I, it's not specified last night. Huh. Uh, as, as far as but I that know. Be, that, that feels like a when you're saying uh-huh. that that seems uh-huh. like you're saying like level five esque. Like I guess level five has kind of fallen in stature in recent years. No, but to, it's still big enough that if, like you uh, yeah, I'm see trying that. to think of like because you'd get like. Uh, a number of IPs through them, right. which I think like who right. who fits that bill? That is like not a so many Japanese studios are wholly owned or internal to the publisher, yes. right? Like so yes. you're not acquire you can't you know you can't acquire like the Mario Odyssey team or the Breath of the Wild team. Right. So I'm trying to think like right. who who even who could there, that be? There aren't a ton, there are there, there are lots of independent studios, but enough that like one that would fit the like large enough that you'd be like oh shit, it's like right. Kojima, like I'm trying to think. I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, I actually think I think maybe a good place to to point for like why I'm not so shook about this is Daniel Ahmad's Twitter feed. Juge X Z H U G E E X. A great follow if you uh, like want to understand. Like, please, the, like going forward, like <laughs> like there'll be more xenophobia, but like like th- those parts of the world are going to be a huge. Influ- look, I mean, look, look at we just talking about Bungie, right? Like a huge source of their funding for their next major project right. is going to come from one of these companies. Like, get the xenophobia out of your system because, yeah. like, this is happening and it's going to be an enormous uh, impact specifically, on, on gaming. If if you want to start criticizing particular companies for particular actions, do that and and name them. Right? right. Don't right. do the you can be mad the at broad Tencent. brush. Don't be mad that like. China's Tencent is like right. the way that you phrase that. <laughs> the the one of the reasons I loved following Daniel is that Daniel's fingers on the pulse of Chinese game development writ large, and like will often share projects from teams you have not heard about. Right? Mm-hmm. Daniel's Daniel was probably the first person who shared something on the timeline for me that was like, "Oh, Genshin is going to be probably really big. Check out this game. These people made a, a, a pretty successful, you know, um, action game called Honkai Impact." Uh, this Genshin thing is, looks like that it could actually be really big. Um, and has since like, you know, or, you know, constantly is sharing stuff about smaller development teams in China and people in China play video games. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's an entire history of games in China that we do not have access to. And many of them 
look like the sort of games we like. There are plenty of action RPGs and traditional, you know, turn-based RPGs in in uh, Chinese gaming There's the, history. So the Souls alike that uh, had a really interesting trailer recently. Recently, um, yeah, I forget I what was that, what that game. Was uh, that wasn't Black Wukong. That was another different one, right? Our Black but Myth that's, Wukong. That's happening yes. more frequently. Like that is like mm-hmm. like th- there are a 100%. lot of these games that are that are are going to be. You know, Genshin Impact is not an outlier. Genshin Impact is just the tip of a spear that is going to exactly. be huge, yes. huge in, in games over the next. It's probably one of the top five stories of like what is happening in games in the next 10 years. Right. If we were still in the in the making documentaries business, uh, it would yeah. be one of those ones that we pitched up and then and probably were like, eh, it's probably too expensive to fly people out there and interview people. <laughs> we probably right. don't have that sort of money. But <laughs> um, like that, that the export of Chinese games is going to increase. And my suspicion is when I look at acquisitions like, or when I look at potential hires like this, um, it, it is not like, I don't think that, that NetEase wants Negoshi to come make, you know, mobile games. I suspect they want him to come make a Yakuza that they own. They want but the prestige. That, like they, they want, want to, yes. like they're, in some ways, you know, that is, that is a way of getting gamer attention while you're making a ton of money on mobile games right like it is it is it is part of like it's part of like it's almost like legitimacy it's like hey like we can get a guy like Nagoshi who can make some brand new you know pillar you know ip that then you could do this the mo you know you could do the mobile spinoffs and all like the yep. stuff all comes out of that like it is mm-hmm. it is you know you know we played this PUBG is, on PC. You know where the money is in PUBG? Like it's not on the PC version on Steam. It's on yeah. it's on mobile. Like yeah. and the, you know, uh yeah. like so that's that's where all that comes from. But you need those creatives to come in and like build those worlds to begin with. Just like the real value of everything Kojima made at, at Konami was its eventual pachinko <laughs> version <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> coming out. I actually don't know what the money breakdown is on that stuff. That but but that is like, you know, a company will fucking squeeze whatever you make for them into as many little things as they can. Um, I, you know, who knows my, but my, my, I have to believe that Nagoshi is a, is a, an independent autonomous human who can make decisions for himself that like NetEase didn't parachute in, you know, a, a black ops team to force him to sign a contract. Yeah. You I know? mean, they might've parachuted in a check with a lot of zeros yes, on it, but yes, you know, yes. like, I feel like the man has earned it at this point. He's, and also like was a huge part of like helping Sega transition like a lot a lot like the Yakuza is now taken maybe not for granted but I think we're transitioning to where you're taking for granted like the ubiquity of Yakuza as a mainstream franchise like that was not true a couple of years ago that series was extremely popular in Japan but like I don't think you can tell the story of like modern Sega and then becoming like a healthy multi-pronged company without realizing games like Yakuza sustained them mm. in yeah. Japan being like a, a, a pillar of, of why of, of something they could make money off of while they were, you know, acquire, you know, get partnering with Atlas and like, you know, spinning up total war. Like it's just a, mm-hmm. Sega's such an interesting company. And it's like, I mean, he's also made a lot of Yakuza games. If he wants to get out and do something different, like good for him. Yeah. It's worth saying, uh, Nettie's, Nettie's shares today have tumbled Oh. Because of new uh, regulations being put into place around minors playing video games that China has. Well, that is all, that is. Uh, look, is very, yeah, if you want to criticize or you know talk about like you know there is there's plenty to talk about about how games are handled mm-hmm. in a place like China and that is not that is not does not come from a place of uh, xenophobia like the, they are that is clearly like 
it's 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 an emerging it's an emerging culture and economy and that has its own complications that are unique yep. to um its situation and you you constantly if you actually if you followed again like we said follow Daniel on Twitter if you want like interesting context and explanations of like yeah. these various like it does cult- not come from an alarmist place but right. is willing to be critical at the same time well Hunter said be like this is dumb bullshit um but also was like. But here's how we arrived at this place. Here's what yep. the policies were before. Like, because it is true. They they do, they really do enact a, a certain amount of control over especially minors and how how much they play. And it's it's just interesting to see how the how that, you know, they respond to it. But like, yeah, follow folks like Daniel to mm-hmm. to get a good sense of why that why that is. You can still think it's bad, but also like have a reason for why it's bad <laughs> as opposed yeah. to yeah. China bad. It's kind of gut, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um Sorry, I just laugh at the like, you know, a few years ago, everyone got up in arms on the social credit score thing when like we live in a system that has a a, a absolutely like limiting credit score system already that is for, for those of us in the United States anyway, I don't know what credit is like in many places overseas, but like we yeah, uh, th- there is a <laughs> there is an asymmetry to the ways in which uh, people will will jump on uh, anything uh, China related with a with a uh, a kind of verve and and vigor that they do not bring home to, to look at the way our own world around us is shaped is all we, I will say. When when Katie and I uh, bought our house, um, she when we first met, she had uh, really uh, poor credit through a number of circumstances. Out, you know, that they were not her own fault. Right. Um, worked to get that back to. You know, a really good place. And then when we were buying the house, uh, uh, you know, working with, you know, the the bank to figure out the the loan application and all that. And uh, we ended up doing something where, like, you know, in the past, you were like, oh, you need to put 20% down to buy a house. These days, like, you you don't have to do that. You We put 5% down, and then you basically just take on some additional monthly insurance that you pay off as you're building mm-hmm. equity into the house, yada, yada, yada. Anyway, but that, that, that uh, monthly insurance is – the the payment is deeply based on your your credit and i've always right. had really good credit like been lucky to be financially stable for for most of my life and was able to then help my wife like get her credit back to 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 the uh, kind of like to to uh good status but so when we were fi- figuring out how to get that loan the the banker goes hey uh so there's like one ding in your credit history that we had to like dig to figure out what it was and it was that uh like 10 years, well, it couldn't be 10 years, 10 years ago, it goes off your record. But at the point, like mm-hmm. it was within a 10 year window, I, when we moved from LA to San Francisco, I had an AT&T bill that never got delivered to me. And it was like us closing our account in Los Angeles. And just like the final bill never made it to me in an email or paper form. And they just never contacted me again and sent it to a, a collection agency. And when the collections agency uh, reached out to me. I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I have mm-hmm. no record of this. Like, send me something in the mail and I'd be happy to give you the like $40 they were searching for. And they're like, we don't have to do that. And I was like, well, then I don't have to answer this phone call. When it turns out, yada, yada, it turned out it was legitimate. I eventually paid the $40. But that $40 bill that for a certain period went to a collections agency was going to triple the price, like send, like go from like Jesus $80 a month right. to like right. $400 a month oh for- uh, this insurance we had to pay because we weren't putting the twenty percent down, and so the the banker looks at me and he goes, "So uh, we'd really like it would make more it would be more prudent just to put the the loan in your wife's name. You'd still be on 
like the, you know, the housing, uh, what, you know, like you'd still be on like the paperwork for the house. And I was like, I, I stopped him for a second. I went, okay, I want to kind of read through what you're trying to say to me. Do you uh-huh. have people who come in here and the husband's masculinity is defined by their ability <laughs> to be on the loan? Yeah. And what you're telling me is like, yeah. dude, just let your wife's name be on the loan. You can still be on the housing paperwork. It would still be in your name, but you're going to pay a quarter of this insurance uh-huh. payment per month. And he's like, yeah, I just kind of have to set it up that way because I've had some really adverse reactions from men in the past. And I was like, that's <laughs> fucked up, man. Put my wife's name on that shit. Like, yeah, absolutely. Give me that. I want that money. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway, that's just a, lo- like a, a long story to explain like how fucking weird and invisible credit is. Uh, yeah. and how credit it can fuck is you in, in, absolutely. Can fuck you seven years. Like, the mm-hmm. banker was like, look, you actually, because of how this story sounds, you could just call somebody and pay like 200 bucks and it'll just like get wiped from your books. Or you can wait three years and it doesn't count against so it. I was like, man... I don't want to do any of that. Just put in my <laughs> wife's name. I don't, I don't care. I, I'm, my life is not defined by, you know, by this, this loan piece of paper that I'll never look at. Yeah, no, exactly. it's going in the, it's Christ. going into a, you know, a safe. So anyway, uh, wow. credit's a um, nightmare. Some other new stuff that we should hit briefly, because I realized, Patrick, we only really talked about it on the Super Metroid stream last week, but. There was a bunch of news on oh, Elden right. Ring. Elden we should Ring. just say out loud, we <laughs> sure. did not see that presentation on Elden Ring. They knew that it would it would just drive us uh, into the sea uh, in, in anticipation. We just wouldn't be able to wait. Um, hey, all those previews sound pretty good. Yeah. There's a lot of previews out. They all sound pretty good. Uh, um, you know, I, you know I, I, like, I would like to uh, thank Kotaku for uh, crediting, giving credit to me uh, for demanding answers. About the, I guess we're calling the the pot goblins. At least that's what Kotaku's calling them. I feel uh, like I feel like that's a little, a little harsh. I guess, yeah. yeah, I guess you could look at goblins. You can if you're positive on goblins. I don't mind. Right. Pot I guess. I, yeah. I, I, I guess need to know true. where uh, uh, Mike Fahey is coming. Is he a pro goblin or or right? You know? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but but basically, yeah. When uh, one of the questions we've had on this podcast has been uh, once we found out you could summon uh, creatures in the world. Or like people, you know, enemies you meet or just like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like they've just said like you can summon things that you meet in the world and they can fight alongside you. Uh, it's question- clear at this point from the, from the like 80 previews I've read, uh, <laughs> you when you kill enemies, you can get their ashes and then you can use focus points, which are like magic, like mana. Right. To summon them. As right. But like- it was like, what is it? Does everything you encounter right. qualify yes. for that? What right. is the what right. is the bar? And the bar like the question has been do our glob, our our goblin. I'm I'm, I'm going to own the goblin part now. The okay, goblin pot, pot goblins. boys. Yeah, do they uh-huh. do they do they count? And right. uh, the the quote that we got. Uh, let's see if it's. Oh, it's so here. good. I where did I paste it? It's not. They didn't actually paste it in this Kotaku thing. So now I no, I my put it somewhere. I, put, I gave it to you. Um, oh, did you? I thought you tw- you tweeted it. Didn't yes. You? Here we go. So this comes from uh, extra life, right? Fextra Life, I think that's how you say it. Yeah, um, Life, they have yeah. a really good video breaking down the 15 minutes of footage that they saw and the interviews they had with um, uh, one of the producers on, on the project. The Pot Boys. We hope that players can explore and find their own answers in regards to the Pot People. You are free to befriend them if you wish, but we can't promise that you won't have to smash them. Which to me <laughs> feels like a dare. Um, they seem to be implying from that that can you summon them? Yes. Will they be particularly useful? No. And to that I say, I will just sacrifice all of my points and give <laughs> yes. them to my goblin pot boy family. Yep. 
They're gonna soul be good. level zero level for me. Soul level one hundred <laughs> for the Pop Boy Goblins. Yes. Um, but there are a bunch of previews out there for people to go read, and some new screenshots that look sick. Some great new enemy designs in those screenshots. Uh, you know, I, I think there's also been some some interesting. Um, you know, I saw I saw someone basically say like from this from this demo that it was it was a they had never been able to like engage with Dark Souls because it seemed too difficult for them. But like having seen this this demo, there were enough things in place that made it feel a little bit more like uh, approachable for them, which is which is an interesting angle. They, they've, ta- they've um, talked about that too. That yeah. has been actually something that uh, I think since this game was, uh, they really started talking about it. You know, uh, last earlier in the summer that you know they've they've they kind of wa- tried to walk a fine line of like that it's not you know they're not necessarily introducing difficulty modes but it does sound like the tiered structure of areas that you can access will in some ways function of like what kind of challenge are you looking for if you want to stay mm. along the main path if you want to kind of follow the little golden trail that will take you to the next main objective the game's not going to hold your hand but it does sound like the most difficult challenges will await folks going into, you know, the optional, you know, dungeons, these legacy dungeons, the things that are tucked away. Um, I, I certainly don't think it's going to be the case that this Elden Ring, even on its main path, is going to be mm-hmm. seen as easy. But they do seem right. like they are trying to, between being, a, like, if you don't, like, there, it seems like there's a pitch with even these, these like, on-demand summons of, like, look, if you are not as confident in your abilities, put the confidence in your AI companions that you can mm-hmm. summon and maybe they can be a more blunt instrument to give you an opening. And like, it seems more like they're trying to give people tools and agency to customize the game, which is fully in line with everything yeah. they have done before to try and give players tools and agency to adjust the difficulty of the game in ways that are just more subtle than easy, medium, hard or story mode or something like that. It can be hard to to recognize that that's what is being offered sometimes, and I, so I, yep. I fully do get that. I think the um, one of the things that's that's interesting here is like the degree to which you can see past experiments across their games coming to to bear here. Where like mm-hmm. there's a jump button now, there's like an entire stealth system that both of which are things that they experimented with in Sekiro. You know, sleep darts, um, sleep darts, right? Sleep darts that people like the previous say like those sleep darts will take out big enemies like hmm. su- surprisingly sizable enemies <laughs> for you to then just go up and just like stealth kill basically while they're asleep um uh which is interesting uh there's like some light platforming stuff because you have your your jump and because your horse can jump or your steed can jump um one of the biggest changes is the uh invasion stuff which maybe that gets changed because enough diehard souls pvpers get like loud about it oh what is i haven't read i didn't read any of this so one of the big one of the big things that had been confusing for people was um they'd said that you couldn't use your horses in pvp and people were going why Why, like okay but what if i get invaded while i'm on my horse is my horses disappear out from under me like what happens and and i think in um even in just co-op if like you know you can do it up to groups of four the moment you introduce playing with someone else the horses go away Right. And so the answer is in those two statements, which is as as this is another Fexter Life thing, I believe. Um right now, as it stands, you cannot be invaded while you're by yourself. You can huh. only be invaded while you already are in a multiplayer mode. While you're already huh. in like with with a co-op partner. 
So you and I could be playing the game and get invaded together. But if I'm just like exploring a castle, I will not get invaded. There are there are voluntary there are voluntary like PvP invitations. So people who want to duel can duel. But to invade seems like it's you saying, "All right, I'm going to take on worse odds. I'm going to go one." In the same way that you know, in Bloodborne, you had to ring a bell to either able to summon companionship or open yourself to invading, which. As someone that did neither, uh, it mostly meant that I played that game solo. And actually, I found that to be, I didn't care. I like, I, I wish there was a version of Bloodborne that would like found different ways to push me to have more meaningful uh-huh. interactions with the, the active players. But I, I guess I'm not surprised. Like, it's an ex- it's it's a direct extension of what they did in in Bloodborne. And so I'm not super shocked that this is. Yeah where we're ending up, which is basically you need to opt in to right. invading. Um, I mean, in yeah. some ways, because like, I can see that, I can see that being like a, like a, a, a you know, playoff line. It's like, well, I don't know if that's the solution either. Go ahead, Kato. Well, I was just going to say, I, I can, it's, you know, it, and that's just a further extension of being able to opt in or opt out by using humanity or not. Right. Like just stay hollow and then mm-hmm. you can't get invaded ever. Um, but right. the game mm-hmm. is all, in and of itself a little harder than, Right, this is kind of the right. same thing, but extended. It's yep. like be in co-op, but the game might, but then you might get right, which makes the game easier. But you might be invaded. But now you might get invaded. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. But but hey, if you're invaded, I think we could two v one basically anybody. Yeah. I think I think any any com- combination. In fact, I think it's three players total. The three of us could take on any yeah. invader. That's Let's what go. I believe. Oh, yeah. I, I wonder if you could uh, invade as a group. I wonder. If I, we that's what up. I was gonna say. Was like, that but wait, be what if it's four v four? Oh my god, Souls that Royale. Wild. Yeah. Get yeah, people into get people into like roles and shit. Like have a dedicated yeah. healer running uh, yeah. miracles. Uh, I'm just up on oh, like, sleep fam. arrows. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is already one of the funny. The, one of the things that I think is really interesting is a lot of the previews talked about sequences where um, you know, oh, you're going to fight a caravan uh, that's moving through the open world that has some special loot in it, and you summon a bunch of your like companion allies you summon your not summon other player characters but these npc spirits that you can summon um and they described that like it can feel like an open like melee like an open fracas between bigger groups of, of characters and like that's not an experience you get a lot of in souls right. really no, every it's... now and then you'll get like there's the the um oh, god the bosses uh oh why am i blanking i really like them uh in three the, the dudes ab- who have abyss- the six sword the abyss walk not order the abyss walkers are they just called maybe it's the abyss the abyss something they're, they're very clearly <laughs> yeah. like descended from artorius uh in you know in in, in theme and like kind of you know abyss watchers abyss they, they draw the line yeah. between sort of artorius and like Bloodborne, but not really, but sort of. Um, uh, and they all, th- there's some stuff there where you see people fighting each other, but like it's just not a big thing to see big groups fighting in Dark Souls. Uh, uh, so that that's an interesting, that would be an interesting new visual dynamic yeah, to see a lot. That of, would be you know cool. what I mean? It, you know, sometimes you get at most you can summon, you know, a couple of people to help, yeah. but yeah. to have like, you know, I'm getting like visions of like, you know. Seven, eight pot boys. Like, what's my squad? Like, how big? <laughs> how many? How many, maybe how many of those pot boys can yeah. I have around? One of the my well, maybe that's one of the points I can put in is like how many pot well, boys? Give me another pot boy. Yeah. can I yeah. get? Yeah. Huh. Um. So yeah, there's a bunch of info out there at this point. If you want to go read about it, there are a bunch of articles basically everywhere. 
um, that are worth worth looking at. What here. website's going to write the first how to find the pot boys in Elden Ring? There's going to be a, <laughs> Is a it not SEO you. Rush. Are you not going to? It could yeah. be. It could be you. <laughs> maybe that's yeah. Maybe Waypoint will be on the vanguard of uh, <laughs> pivoting the service journal. It'll be the first here. time yeah. that like I look at the embargo for a game, and it's like, what's the guide section? When can I write my? <laughs> when can I write my? You know what? Best. I bet. That, that would do I'm numbers a, if I shared it on social media. Yeah, of course that, would that would do was numbers. very funny. Yeah. Yeah, of course. File that away. Of course. <laughs> Please do that one. Um, that's It's wild for me to think about that game as like, so now my life is now being divided in twain and it's before and after <laughs> review codes. You know, right. it's before and after I get, I get this early for coverage and Elden Ring is probably the biggest of the posts of the already known post that change thing happening. The nearest is like Deathloop. Like Deathloop is going to drop days after I'm out, and it's very weird that I'll be playing that alongside huh. people instead of before people. Well, it's like I said, you know, uh, John Balker, a new intern um, at one point, uh, <laughs> uh-huh. is working on our guides uh, for uh, stuff. Uh, he for, needs to find uh, the pop uh-huh. boys, and find so all the pop we boys. get an extra code, Mister <sighs> Bandai Namco. I so want to know if that if the FromSoft team knew that the little pot goblins would be a f- would be a hit among fans do you know what i, I mean, mean they released high res screenshots of they did right twi- so that is yeah yeah that's true you know like and that was in the initial they knew the same way that fucking square enix knew about lady dimitrescu <laughs> like they knew <laughs> or, or <laughs> and then what Bu- and then bungie yeah. getting on uh they released height information for the witch queen oh alongside uh, this world, <laughs> the lead up, I think, to that, to that, that Gamescom yeah. stream. Incredible. Um, also, um, shout outs to uh, I forgot the voice actress's name, but I know her from Mad TV, and I spent a lot of time watching Mad TV. Savathun, Deborah Wilson, right? That's, that, that's what it is. I think is that who Savathun is? That seems like that's true. Okay, cool. That's very funny to me. <laughs> right, yeah. I'm right about that. Yeah, Mad TV. I yeah. like Mad uh-huh. TV was yeah, like yeah, yeah. huge for me, like growing up, and. Uh, yeah. So I see her face and I'm just like, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember Mad TV. And it's like, no, now she's like this really successful now voice she's, actress. Yeah, yeah, of that rules. That makes me. Congrats. Huge congrats. Um, we should probably take a break. Unless there's any, is there any other. Oh, more news. Blasphemous 2. Blasphemous yeah. 2 is happening. I just started playing more Blasphemous DLC. 1. Is that more DLC for one, like as a bridge? It is, yeah. I, I the second de- the reason I even got into Blasphemous was because I saw a trailer for the second DLC last mm. summer. And. Hmm. The art really caught my attention, mm-hmm. and then that's when I ended up uh, playing and writing about it a couple of times. But uh, if I remember correctly, I didn't even engage with the 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 DLC because it was uh, I forget exactly how it was built into the game, but it was built into the game in a certain way that I was like, eh, like I'm good, like right, I, I, right. I didn't feel ob- you know obligated yeah. to go chase. It seemed like it was really for high end and completionist players. So sure, sure. Um, I may be getting some of the details wrong on that because, but I remember just explicitly choosing at the time that, like, you know, as much as I adored that game and and I still do, um, uh, I I didn't feel the need to chase chase that down. And so I'll be curious because right, they're right. pitching this third DLC as the true ending. Um, Interesting, huh. which is my guess is will also mean it'll be some sort of. Now I'm gonna fucking stop playing. This is well, I don't I don't think the DLC is go the the DLC as it was framed. If I remember correctly, um. That like you can go do the DLC after you've quote unquote finished okay. the, the original okay. run. So okay. I don't know that like it'll be the case that you'll be uh, punished for not you know for playing the game now. Mm-hmm. Now they haven't said what the entryway is going to be into it, but the studio has been pretty smart about that stuff. 
cool. um, in, in the past. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm very excited to see what they, what they think a sequel is. Is, is it just yeah. a bigger version of what this is? Is it a 3d game? Like I, you know, I don't know, but I'm, I liked Blasphemous so much and I'm, I'm glad that this announcement and the DLC will give people another entryway uh, into it. Um, so some more people can, can see what all the, all the fuss is about. Cause it's a, it's a, it's a very good game. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm really enjoying it. The first one so far. So I'm, I'm very curious to see. Uh, it's like one of those things where I feel like I'm early enough. I'm probably like eight to 10 hours in. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm still early enough where I'm like, don't quite know the breadth of the game yet as it right. stands, because there are ways in which, you know, it's a, it's a 2d for people who don't know, uh, or don't remember blasphemous is a 2d, you know, Cal- Castlevania <clears throat> Metroid, you know, souls like thing. Um, it's, it's not that punishing in terms of the souls. Like, like, no, uh, it's, ha- it's uh, the, hard, the but the I don't think it's stuff. I, I don't think it revels in, um, like no, and you don't again, you don't lose your currency way. when you die. What you lose is like a little chunk of your magic bar, which is an interesting system until you get yeah. back to your corpse, basically. Yeah, um, uh, and that's why I think it leans more. It's more of a Castlevania game yeah. than it is. It has elements of uh, all those things, but it feels hard Castlevania. It's visually just stunning. Like the, yes. all the enemy design, all the, the location design. You you had some good conversations with that team last year around the move yeah i had a a feature because like also one of the reasons i got interested in the game was because they were doing as part of that dlc they were adding spanish voice acting to the game the game's script was written in spanish it is a spanish team Mm -hmm. um they wanted to have a like really good spanish localization in the original release but because of the budget and because of trying to appeal to quote the you know the widest audience possible, they chose to um, like highlight English as like the primary language that right. they, and they put in, you know, kind of a, you know, there's definitely like a lot of flavor of like the, 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 the culture and the architecture and like the history that is like deeply embedded in, like there are like bridges and cathedrals in that, that are, you know, in their neighborhood that is like just like part of that, that game. And I, I touch upon that in, in, in the story, but um I thought that was like really cool that the game was successful enough to allow them to come full circle and like in some ways like adapt a truer version of the original script um, right. to to what they had worked on originally. I mean, they're very happy with how everything else came out, but it was I thought that was a cool story that like they kind of had to concede to the widest possible audience and then actually got to you know bring it full circle with uh, because people had embraced the game to such a degree. Uh, and that that Spanish track is so good. Like yeah, it made me like I, 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 I would play the game with it instead of the English. I was gonna say, does it, it? It includes subtitles that are like, did they relocalize? It? Did they change any of the? That's um, a good question, right? Because I, I feel like this happens in anime yeah. a lot, where when yeah. something gets translated for a dub because they're trying to match um, specific like cadences in the mouths, usually you'll get yeah. rewrites to like kind of fit, but. Then when you watch a dub thing, it'll have a more like it'll localize it in a different way because it doesn't way. have to yeah, fit yeah, within. Yeah. There be like little idiosyncratic differences between right. the two. You know, so this doesn't have that issue because it's a it's a castle. It's a Metroidvania. You know what I mean? It's a pixel game. That there's not. Much. Yeah, yeah. There's not that. Well, there's plenty. Of, there's lots of voice acting, but there's no like. There's very little right, right. There's no to, like lip sync. So yeah. yeah um, but the. It, my understanding is very specifically like this is a team that was drawing on a particular vision of Spanish Catholicism for its 
for its lore or its mm-hmm. inspiration for the the aesthetic of the game um and uh the I'm I'm actually very curious if there's a particular and Patrick I should just go back and read that article that you wrote um uh, about about this this thing uh, about this game and its script because the game was written in Spanish because they're they're from Spain right um and I'm curious if, I'm curious if the if the direction on it was drawing on particular regionalisms or particular like historical version of Spanish or or a particular like religious dialect or what um. Because you know, I I took Latin and Spanish in in high school, uh, and the two of those did not feel very similar to me. And obviously, it's because I was learning high school Spanish. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> um, they were, and they were teaching us things in. Uh, they were teaching, and, and I went to Catholic school. I went to Catholic high school, right? So the Latin specifically had had a very authoritative mode. Uh, well, so they, it, there's this there's taught. this one. Uh, so the, the piece is called. Uh, uh, Blasphemous was written in Spanish. Now its characters can finally speak it. Um, and then I have this uh, passage uh, from, from the piece. Uh, 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 the process was also an opportunity for the Game Kitchen, who's the developer, to make Blasphemous more accurate to its original creative vision. The game script was originally written in Spanish, translated into English, and then voiced in English. Nuance can get lost along the way. Quote, the original writing was uh, not actually old Spanish, but it has that uh, oldest flavor to it, said Ortega. Okay. Uh, and Old Spanish has nothing to do with Old English. It's way different, right? Older Spanish is more blunt and simple, even. It was the language from the villages and stuff. It doesn't translate well to English. Uh, and then, end quote. These differences in language construction made for stark creative decisions at times. Quote, we had this boss giving a speech before the fight, and her speech in English is way longer than in Spanish because huh. it wasn't actually translated, said there Ortega. Quote, mm. it was rewritten as Shakespeare, as Shakespearean kind of speech. The mood is not the same, but in English, there was no way to actually translate that correctly. So we took a different uh, 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 decision and direction. And so like that kind of speaks to how localization can like end up in writing in like kind of fundamentally different places, even yeah. if it is like tonally in the same ballpark, because yeah. like just the way the language is constructed and like the feel of it, like forces the writers to, you know, just adapt it. Um, and like, so that's like where, like an instance in which the original like Spanish script ends up being a little more, I mean, it's still good. You know, I think the English like FIO and script like was totally fine. And, 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 and that's how I originally enjoyed it before this patch came out. But um, if you want, um, you know, more of that original flavor, then yeah. definitely would recommend. And also I just, I'm a huge advocate of like, look, the game is made in Spain. It has Sp- like Sp- yeah. Spanish culture is like all around it. Like yeah. I, I want to exp- like, f- like play the game, like, you know, feeling that way. And so yeah. I, I'm, you know, same with that I play, you know, you know, Metro with Russian turned on play blasphemous with Spanish turned on. I gotta, yeah. I gotta check this out. Cause I, I, I really wonder there's like a, a, a super formal form of, uh, conjugation mm. that doesn't really get used a lot outside of Spain, the vosotros uh, usage, which if you watch Pan's Labyrinth, the fawn in Pan's Labyrinth oh, uses this. Oh, sure. Yes. Uh, yes, 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 yes. And so I'm okay. really curious what their usage is going to be. I, I need to play this game. I It's been on my list for too long and uh-huh. I need to actually dig in. I think it's on sale right now oh, because of great. the, sure. the um, sequel announcement. So I think it was like less than Perfect. less than yeah. 10 bucks on the eShop. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, 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 I've been, that, I've been playing it on, I've been playing it on, uh, uh, on Switch and have been really enjoying it. So, nice. um, all right, let's take a quick break and come back to some, some stuff we've actually been playing and, and, uh, check it on.
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. We are back. Uh, Kato, two hey. weeks ago, I, I complained on this podcast about how, like, 12 minutes is a game that, like, is about, you know, a handful of people <laughs> inside of a small room, inside of a, a small apartment, and that it was frustrating that however experimental that game was, like, would still have to end up being a game about getting shot or stabbing someone or right. kicking someone in the head or being kicked in the head. Um, and you were like, after that podcast, you were like, you know what we should talk about? <laughs> no longer, no longer home. home. No longer home. Yeah. Uh, what's up with No Longer Home? Well, uh, I played yeah. a little bit of it, but I'm pitching to you. I'm passing to you because you've beaten it at this point. Beaten yes. It. You finished it. Um, it's a uh, you know narrative focused game with very um, uh, Kentucky Route Zero vibes. And it's like presentation as far as like the menus and dialogue choices. Okay. So it's like, yeah. Uh, and Never it, heard of this game. I'm looking at it now. Uh uh, similar similar art style too, kind of like a, a, a very simplified po- poly like models that mm-hmm. are more uh, flat colors uh, than like you know super detailed, um, and it's um, it takes place in uh, a single apartment. Like the whole game is in there, except for one small scene at the end. But it uh, follows these two characters, Bo and Ao, who are um in a relationship and they're about to move out from this home because Ao is uh from Japan and they they're both in the UK in London uh having gone to college but Ao's uh visa is running out so it's about this kind of like final week of them together and you go around the apartment and it's really um kind of a like a really well done tone piece about what makes you know a space home rather than just mm-hmm. a space uh and also like th- uh, the the sort of like tumultuous time right after college especially for i mean this hit me really hard because like they're both art students and like this is exactly what it was like at that point mm-hmm. of like just too many people in a very small space but you still had <sighs> But you still made sure you had that one room that was a studio so that people could work in um, mm-hmm. the the ways that like relationships uh, kind of ebbed and flowed based on who could afford to live in the city anymore and people needing to move back home because being an artist, a working artist is fucking impossible. <laughs> um, yeah. Things like that. Like and it really hits on that. And um, most of the time you're walking around or not most, I would say like. You know, some of the time you're walking around and kind of looking at different uh, things in the environment and remarking on them, like bringing up a memory about them. And then 
I think more of the time you're actually having conversations. Um, you're either controlling Bo or Ao, and uh, you're talking to the other one. And the dialogue choices I found were, um, they have like a kind of the dialogue has a, a flow to it that is really interesting. Where I feel like a lot of times when you're giving it, and like this is also kind of harkens back to the KRZ comparison, yeah, um, yeah. where it's less of a um sometimes dialogue choices in narrative games can feel like a turn right like you're making a left turn or a right turn Mm -hmm. and this feels more like you're almost making like a 10 degree shift to the right right like the conversation flows really naturally even though what you're what you're saying and responding to kind of feels um can feel like you know you're changing the subject or like you're 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 it's very kind of um uh, what's the word? I'm like it's stream of consciousness in that way where like, uh, it never felt too much like you were necessarily. I felt like I was never kind of thinking through the dialogue choices in a gamey way, almost. Right, you're right? not like, like trying to get Paragon and Renegade points, here. right? You or are like following the line of conversation that f- that in your gut feels right a little right. bit totally there's like a and like a, a certain level of role play in that too yeah. um yep and i like kind of i mean i haven't actually gone back to do this yet but i wanted to go back and play again and kind of like play them a little differently to see uh whether or not any outcomes change they might not change drastically yeah. but it still would be interested to see what the other conversations are right um it's, a very let me just like to illustrate this very 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 early one of the first things that happens in the game is that one of the characters gets annoyed by how messy someone's desk is. And the options to 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 respond to that are like mostly internal. It's mostly about yeah. this own this person's relationship to messiness writ large. And it's like, well, I get messy sometimes too, or well, we're about to move out, so this is gonna be a problem worth bringing <laughs> up anyway. Yeah. Or, you know, I should just talk about it because, you know, it's just a, it, it's not just the desk. You know, the whole apartment could use a little going over. And none of those things feel like they're locking you in so much as exploring a direction for how the character relates to their surroundings. Yeah, you know, totally. And um, yeah, it's just a, a kind of like multiple scenes of this with a few um, interesting kind of uh, what's the word for them? I guess slightly surreal moments kind of sprinkled yeah. in um that really get to this sort of sense of uh the sense of like almost be like like at first kind of almost being uh trapped but not really like be and like wanting to stay here but um knowing that like that your time in this space is coming to an end uh and it's just like it felt really like heartfelt and like coming from a place of like experience like the writing yeah. of like and we should say it sp- literally calls itself semi-autobiographical yes. at the top of the game yes. right yeah. um and so it's just like a really like you know a really wonderful little two two and a half hours of just yep. like exploring these two characters and their relationship and discussing like you know like you end up discussing a lot about like the just like what paths you have available to you as 
uh you know someone fresh out of college and like the ways they even like get into discussions of the structure like you know you know like societal structures that are they're kind of pointing out the societal structures that are pushing mm-hmm. them apart um and how that you know plays out over and over again across society of just like we don't want to necessarily change the nature of a relationship but we're being forced to because of you know capitalism and uh borders and all that stuff right the way that the external really kind of will often uh shift your internal life um it's also just it's just gorgeous like i think that the art design of this these small rooms i I think that separates it from krz um is that with rare rare exception most of krz stuff had a very set perspective there are a couple of like places where you could you could walk around and the camera would follow you around. I think about like the Xanadu stuff and right. um, you know the the museum in one of the interstitials. Um, but no longer home, you you can rotate the camera inside of this little this little apartment inside of this little flat. And and there's almost as you explore the space early on, there's like a lot of joy and just like oh, what are the posters on this wall? What are the mm-hmm. what you know what type of things are packed in this little corner? And then as the as you move through the story and see more of it and see stuff change or walk into a room and get surprised by something that was not there before. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and the use of color, everything has this. Um, you know, it, I, it's not. I, I don't know enough about colors and color theory to talk about what these tones are, but everything is is everything has a lot of color, but there is the sense of it being overcast at the same time. Yes. Like there's a, there's They're like, a, very it's muted, not desaturated, basically. but the, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, that's the thing. It's, it's there, there is a, it's like the muting, the mutedness comes from lighting. Yeah. Not from just like a lack of color. So someone will have like bright teal shirts on or bright red boots, but everything just is, is like diminished because of the circumstances. And, and I think that that goes a long way to, to present this, like, this little slice of your life, which like, yeah. I, you know, it's been a long time since I was fresh out of university. <laughs> um, but I, and, and so to some degree, I think that there was a degree of distance for me for, from this story um, uh, that doesn't hit me as close, obviously, as Yukato, who specifically went to art school, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, I went to an art school, but that's a different, that's a different <laughs> experience. Um, uh, and, and, uh, but, but nevertheless, I think that there's something rendered in clarity here or not with clarity with the appropriate amount of cloudiness that right. I, that I really like. Um, the ways in which a character can determine their perspective on something, but not necessarily communicate it perfectly is really interesting to me um, or to, to, to waver and like think something early on in one scene and then end up, you choose a different option later uh, is interesting. Um, and then, and then the, the stuff that is a little off kilter or supernatural, I think is appropriately evocative and not just like, right. Yeah. It's not just weird for weird sake. Do you know what I mean? I totally. think there's something happening there. So. Yeah, no, it feels it it it's um it feels very like like specific metaphor rather than like yes yes this is some mystery or something like you you never fall into the trap of thinking the game might be about that stuff right, right. like it's like right. no this is this is adding flavor and texture to what is happening to these people yeah totally no longer home. Uh, it's one of those games where I'm like, oh, I can't believe this only has 34 reviews on Steam. This deserves to have more eyes on it. Um, 34? Sure, sure. 34 That's reviews so- on Steam. <laughs> yeah, it's not wow. fair. This is the world we live in. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. 
Um, so there's a waypoint so quote on the Steam page. What? Yeah, it's from a Lewis Lewis Gordon piece from years ago. I'm almost certain. It's oh my like god, Lewis Gordon. So when that game was yeah, called Twenty Nine, I, I looked it up because I was like, "How do I?" How, I was. I said I hadn't heard of this game, and then the first link is to a waypoint piece. And I was like, "Oh, for the game under a different title," and then it was scheduled to be released ago. at the end of 2017. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember different I edited time. this piece. Um, <laughs> so yeah, weird, weird. I'm pretty sure I edited this piece. Maybe Danielle did. No, mm, I edited this piece. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Lewis Gordon, who's a great writer and and takes notes extremely well, um, <laughs> which is not a diss. Like I want to be clear when I say like a writer takes notes well, that is a huge compliment because I know as a writer I can be a diva and have <laughs> taken notes poorly in the past. Right when a writer gets gets edits and is like this is this has helped me to bring the better part of my work out, it is a good thing. And Lewis takes notes like extremely well uh, and can like. Um, if you're a writer, one of the best things you can do is is one take take notes humbly and take notes with grace. Um, fight the fights that you think are really important, um, but but you know dr- draw your line when it's something that you think is like very important about what you're trying to say and not just the clarity with which someone wants you to be able to say it. But also being able to abstract a note into a note from an editor into a larger. Um, Oh, I see how how this could apply to the entire piece, right. and then like working from that and like doing a pass that keeps that in mind uh, is very, very, very good. And, and great writers are that I've worked with have have been able to do that. So, anyway, yeah, I'm glad people. Uh, uh, I'm glad that you you enjoyed it. People should check it out. It's called No Longer Home. Yeah, I'm gonna add that to my list. Of this is definitely a end of the year. Patrick Klepik plays it. <laughs> yeah, ah, this game's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Patrick, have you yeah. beaten or have you returned to? I guess I should ask Psychonauts two. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm definitely in the. I hit the. Hey, uh, when you do this mission, ah, uh, like I see stuff's yeah. gonna start uh-huh. happening. Mm-hmm. And then I googled, <laughs> and I, I guess in the original Psychonauts, there they do like a really poor job. Like you can't go. There's a lot of side stuff to do that just you just can't go back. Like there's no uh, like dumping you back okay. off on the campgrounds and. Go finish things up, and I was I was reading about how people found ways to like glitch their way back so they could like do the ending, not start over. Anyway, this game doesn't have that. It's like, there's a moment where it's like, hey, we're gonna start end game stuff. Um, I wish the game would just communicate to you, just put in a line in parentheses, and you'll you be able to come back and oh. like finish things up. Um, you, can you? You, just you definitely can, because I I okay. found like a okay. <laughs> I found an article much like. Where do I find the pot boys? It's like, yes, you can go back to the beginning of Psychonauts 2 when you start uh, the end game. Uh-huh. And then I was like, cool, because there is still stuff I want to do. Um, but I, I wanted to keep pushing along in the story because I was I was pretty taken by it. Yeah, I, I went. Uh, I think last we touched on Psychonauts, it was Rob and I talking about the I was a couple hours further than him and he was just at the start. And I, I had sort of like a reserved reaction to it. Um, the game opens itself up as. Hey, Rasputin has joined the Psychonauts. He's an intern. He's going to, and the, the, the structure of the story scene appears to be, you're going to go off on these spy missions. He's going to learn how to become a Psychonaut. And like, that's the, that's going to be the art of uh, the arc of Psychonauts 2. Um, and as it turns out, the Psychonauts 2 has nothing to do with that as a plot line. That oh. is, that is not at all what you are doing in Psychonauts 2. You, the opening hours, uh, you know, kind of like posit that, but then there is a uh, you get dropped back off into sort of like the uh, the 
I forget what they call the the, the psychonauts HQ, like the mother the mother lobe, the mother lobe. Right, sure. Um, mm, he was full of of oh okay, uh, in a good way, uh, naming <laughs> yeah. schemes yeah, 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 yeah. for for things, um, and essentially like without spoiling like the, the, the any plot beats, like really what Psychonauts two is about is so I I mentioned earlier that I was sort of taken aback by the way that Psychonauts two sort of just starts with hey this sequel came out a couple of years after the first one. Like, let's just right. pick up those beats and uh, we're just going to, in retrospect, I, I, I think it was the right choice. Like Psychonauts one and two are like a yin and yang. It is a, a story that are tied together. You are, you are answering core questions about the world and why things were even occurring in the first one. Not in a way that feels like time to answer lore questions yeah. more than is like fundamental to what this universe is and what it makes it interesting because a lot of what you're doing in the sequel are people who are foundational to the establishment of like the psychonauts and the history that like has created like this sort of almost like superhero status for these, these people um, are also broken. These are, these are people with like really difficult problems in which like they are Rasputin is a person who, comes to admire the Psychonauts through comic books because these people in in the same way that, you know, superheroes would be, you know, uh, you know uh, iconized in the in same way if they actually existed, they were just, they would still be comic books that like adapted them and told, and told their stories. And like that, like the, the, the psychics in this, like the Psychonauts are that version in this world. And as it turns out, like those people have fears, anxieties, have made mistakes, have done awful things have things they can't get over. And a lot of what you're doing in this is deconstructing like Rasputin's heroes and like what, what are the issues they're going through? And I, it's a really beautiful story. I think I, I, I'm still mixed on the combat. The combat sort of it's, it's better, but I, I don't know that I'm spending that much time enjoying it, but it's also the case that you're not spending an overly, it doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't feel as though they're deploying combat as a means to, just uh, add length to the game. The vast majority of what you're doing here is like exploring cool worlds, engaging in much better platforming than the original. Like I, I, I actually think it's like it's really satisfying to explore the world, find the secrets, and I'm finding just enough that I don't feel a compulsion to want to go back and do it all. But I, I don't leave a world feeling unfulfilled. I feel like, ow, I like I did as much as I could find and wanted to do. That felt good. And then for completionists, you know, there's more for them to to go back and and do. But uh yeah, I'm I'm really liking the story. It's it's not just char- like charming, I think, understates what's happening here. Yeah. I think it's, it's like I think a kill it with kindness type of Yeah. Like often. it's it's using it's using charm as a as a gateway in to tell something a little more uh it's something heavier and interesting, and uh, I'm I really like it, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. I think people, uh, you know, it's like I mentioned to Rob. I was like, well, if you already like it here, I think you're only gonna skyrocket from right. there. And I and I and I was sort of kind of on the fence about like, is this just a charm offensive video game, which can sometimes be like the line that Double Fine straddles. Um, and I think this one, I think they knocked it out of the park. It's it's charming and heartfelt and really really funny. I. I, I can't say enough about the Jack Black section of this game, the character he plays, the aesthetic of the world, which is basically uh, like a Sergeant Pepper album come to life, basically, um, is is really like huh. 
some of what they're playing in and just the what happened to I I don't want to say like the plot beats but like what happened to Jack Black's character how they explore what happened to him and like the way they lead it's just it's really it's really beautiful I think it's a really beautiful game and I don't even mean that from a it is a a pretty game but I think it's uh-huh, it's, it's, also- it's a yeah like what it's saying about the human condition and what it means to have friendships it's like ah it's just it's exceptionally well done I think and uh certainly in you know, I think a year that we thought was going to, if you're looking for media that's going to make you feel good, but also doesn't sacrifice, um, like saying something meaningful in the process. It's not just like goofy and escapism. Like it has those elements, but also I think has like really profound and interesting things to say about, like I said, the human, the human condition. I think Psychonauts too is a, is a real triumph. And, Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm very, not just pleasantly, but like genuinely surprised how taken I've been once the story like got into the swing of things and it took the pivot away from we're just going to go to wacky worlds and you're going to visit them. And I mean, the first the first game, you know, was was some of that. I just kind of figured I already I already knew the structure of the second one. And it's like, how does Rasputin become, you know, take his place among the Psychonauts? And there's still an element of that. What's what's happening here? But it's got a more interesting story that it wants to to tell. And I, I found a lot of resonance in it. Um, and I think, I think other wills too. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. highly, is, highly recommend it. Is the, uh, the connection and like kind of through line from one so strong that you should not touch this. If you haven't played one, would you be completely, I think you would, I would, I would definitely go watch an explainer video. Okay. Like not because you will be lost. I didn't do either of those things. I didn't watch an explainer <laughs> video. I I didn't um like the the game did does you ever, Did you ever play one though? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. I I really liked the original uh Psychonauts. So you um, might have it still uh, in the back of your brain, but let's say like me uh someone bounced off the first level of Psychonauts 1 and never went back to it. Yeah. Uh I don't know that's going to change. Like that's right. still an old game, you right. know, like they've yeah. done a decent job. like the Game Pass version is like a a nice way of revisiting that game. I have no idea if you'd be able to like get into it and and that game's still pretty old. You know what I mean? I, I feel like it would be best. I think probably the best thing for you to do is to watch like a like a, an explainer video of like what happened in Psychonauts 1, play Psychonauts 2. If you find yourself so taken right. by the world building and the characters, then go back to Psychonauts 1 and that may help propel you past like whatever you right. bounced off of. Right, because I, right. again, like I, I loved and enjoyed the first Psychonauts, but like have not touched it since that game came out. So I'm decades removed from from that game and didn't, didn't do the even the refresher because I figured, well, they mm. must know that so many players are going to be coming to this either new or so far removed from the original game that they're going to have to make sure they do the groundwork right. to get you in. And they do, they do, they do enough of that. And it's enough of a, a like, despite the fact that it is so deeply wound up with the original world and the reasons the first game happened, I've never felt lost or. Like it feels like it, it stands on its own and only benefits from the more that you bring to it. And I think that's like something that can be additive from a video. And that's something that you fill in the gaps of if you find yourself compelled then to seek out. I guess there's two of them, right? There's the original and then they did a VR game, Rhombus of Ruin, um, huh. that I think was exclusive to PSVR. Um, or at least it was at launch. I don't know if they released it on other platforms later. Um, right. But uh, I, ne- right. I never ended up playing that. Um. All right, uh, I'm. I hope it wraps up well for you. I'm curious to hear what. I've, I've heard it ends really it. well. It would at yeah. this point. Everyone like, I know 
who's played it has like really enjoyed it. So and has left it feeling like that. Like has yes. uh, the the final the final communication I've had with a couple people about it has been people being like, you know, sometimes you play a game that you like and you get to the end and you talk to someone about it after they beat it and they're like, yeah, it was pretty good. And like. Yep. I talked to you three days ago and you were real high on it. Did something happen between now and then? And so far, everyone who I've talked to who was like really into it three days before they beat it, but I talked to them again after they beat it, they're still really high on it. So yeah, I think I think it, I think it starts slow, but then once like it becomes clear, like truly what's going on and what your aims are as mm-hmm. as as the player, uh, I, it it just it's just kept going up for me. Um, and so I'm I am really it's why I even though there was the side stuff that I wanted to do, I was just like I felt like the emotional momentum. I was like, I really just want to see where this is going and where, where it ends up. And then, you know, I'll go spend three or four hours cleaning up things just to spend more, more time in the world. But yeah, I'm, I, every emotional beat so far, they have just completely nailed. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm, so I'm, I'm very high on seeing where they, where they end up. Cause at this point it would be, it would be profoundly disappointing and pretty shocking if they like missed the the concluding beats just because yeah. the foundational blocks they've laid so far are as strong as they as they are as they are. Yeah. And it makes me really ex- like it's you know double fine games often feel like they're uh, stretched financially, right? Like you can kind of see the seams in yeah. the design because they're a small studio that at various times has really, re- like really, really struggled financially at various points, like the trouble paying their people financially at various points. And for them to come into the Microsoft acquisition, you know, with this kind of project, like boy, does it, it makes me really excited to see what can can they do with not, you know, look, all sorts of problems with acquisitions and consolidation. Like I hear you, but like for a studio that I know a lot of people over there, like, people I'm like friends with. So like, I have a bit of like blinders on, I guess to a certain degree, but like they, they've earned like a mental rest from like the financial stresses right. of running a development studio. Right. And it makes me excited. Well, what can that studio do when they're just be given a blank slate? It's like, well, what do we want to make? And we also don't have to worry about doing six side projects to make sure that everybody has a role and doesn't have to be laid off. Yeah. Um, what happens we, next? We've said it so many times that like we don't know what the long term knock on effect of something like Game Pass is going to be. But mm. the fact that like I could go load up Psychonauts two right now, a game I would not buy otherwise. No, like I, right. I have friends on that team, you know. Um, but I wouldn't buy it. It's just like not my genre of, of game. Yeah, exactly. You know, I wouldn't put sixty dollars down for it. Um, or like the other day, I started playing another thing that's on Game Pass right now, Dodgeball uh, Academia, which is like <laughs> that looks all right. It looks it, it's pretty all right. It's like uh, <laughs> it has huge um, like uh, show from Cartoon Network. Well, uh-huh. after I had well, after I stopped watching Cartoon Network. Uh, or, or I guess maybe Nickelodeon. Oh, yeah. What is when is when is what is uh, is Adventures of Gumball Nickelodeon or is that Cartoon <laughs> That's Network? Nickelodeon. That's Cartoon yeah, Network. The Cartoon Network. No, you're right. No, you're right. It's Cartoon Network. Yeah, oh uh, like it, huge, huge Adventures of Gumball, Amazing World of Gumball energy in yeah. terms of its artistic design. Uh, very much in that space of like modern cartoon. That's like you know. Uh, drawing on lots of other inspirations and stuff. Um, uh, but like, yeah, the game's kind of fine and I would never have touched it if it wasn't oh. on, on game pass, you know, right. I, I'm enjoying it. I think it's kind of clever and kind of cute. Um, uh, I'm not deep into it enough to give it a hard recommendation. If you want to play like a dodgeball RPG, there it is. Um, uh, but like that sort of stuff is, is, is already huge. And so like, or is already like opens up a, a lot of games that I would have ignored otherwise. And so 
it's it's that immediate benefit is so clear, even though we again and again say we don't know what the long term knock on effect will be right for games writ large, but there's just so much stuff I just would not touch otherwise. And again, especially I'm about to go into the world of not getting review code. Like it's gonna be it's gonna be nice to have Game Pass as something where if I'm like, ah, you know, I got a couple hours this weekend, I want to play something that I haven't played before. What's what's on Game Pass? You know, is is a really interesting way to interact with games that is not was not available, you know, previously. So um not without buying stuff and buying stuff, you know, it is, it is, it always felt like more. We're of going a through risk. like the Steam refund process right. and the, you exactly. know, you know, exactly. and the complication. You know, just a couple of days ago, there was that, you know, that horror developer that, you know, that's it's gone viral. It's I think it went viral a couple of days ago, which they basically said, "Hey, I made a two-hour game. People abuse Ugh. the refund system. I don't want to make games so anymore. Sucks so See much. See ya. Um, yeah. and that sucks. Um, because I'm like, I'm very." There should be strong consumer protections for being able to buy like the, the death of the demo, like means yep. that there that needs to be and should be standardized, like, you know, refund policies across all platforms. And that's not the case. And Steam having like really strong pro-consumer refund protections and like essentially more or less like erring on the side of, hey, if you want to refund the game, you should get your money back yeah. um, is cool, but it has consequences. And Valve seems largely disinterested these are edge cases, but they see also seem disinterested in coming up with solutions to the edge cases, and that's mm-hmm, a bummer too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we should go to the question bucket for a few questions before we wrap things up. Unless someone had something else that I don't have written down here, if something came to mind, but my guess is it didn't. My guess is we can we can go on to the question bucket. Gaming at vice dot com is the address. This first one's really for me and you, Kata. Great. Hey, we point crew. My partner and I have been enjoying Chris Remo's daily solves of the New York Times crossword. However, whenever a rebus appears, we get irrationally angry. <laughs> Patrick, do you know what a rebus is? In a crossword? rebus? A rebus. In yeah. In crosswords. Uh, I just hear rebus McIntyre. That's her. That's right. <laughs> a rebus uh, in a crossword puzzle is, uh, you know what a crossword is. You understand the basic crossword. Uh-huh. Yes. Words, clues, etc. Yep. A rebus is when there is a single tile that mm-hmm. has multiple letters in it. So I'm going to spoil a recent. Did you do this one, Kato? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cereal. The ser- the cereal. Yeah. Was <laughs> that a Thursday? Why do I, was that a recent Thursday puzzle? I believe it was. A it Thursday. must have been. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. It's so I'm going to spoil the August twelfth one. So. Uh, one, two, three, four, five across, uh, uh, five, five, like tiles rather, um, best ever in sports slang, the goat, but it's T H E G. And then the final tile is O A T, right? Um, uh, uh, castle defenses, three tiles, M blank S M O A T S moats. And this whole thing is doing a this puzzle, the the kind of big clue for for what it's doing with oat inside of a single tile is life preserver question mark or a hint to six squares in this puzzle. And the answer was cereal box. Uh, cereal box is in a box that contains life. The cereal that's the pun with the question mark. But also oat is a cereal, and so it's oat in a box. And so that's one tile 
that's containing multiple characters. Sometimes you'll see them where it's like, you know, oh, there was one a couple of months ago that was an X and an I together to make a sort of asterisk. That one I actually didn't mind so much because that puzzle was just very charming. But uh, as as Noel from Perth, Western Australia says here, quote, the idea of a square on a grid that contains more than one letter is an affront to crossword puzzles. Wow. It is just cheating on the part of the puzzle writer. If I was trying to solve the puzzle, it would never occur to me that a square may contain more than one letter. So those clues would be impossible to solve. The fact that each instance of the rebus is the same across the puzzle alleviates some of my rage. I'm curious what the opinion of the crossword takers on the Waypoint crew have of the rebus. Have you completed the New York Times crossword containing a rebus? yet at which point do you act on the idea that maybe you just can't get the answer because they're jammed they jammed extra letters in the square i uh, love everything the waypoint folks do all the best to Austin on this next endeavor as always fuck capitalism go home noel perth western australia yeah i was pissed about that oat one yeah i was pissed about it oh i did not like it i solved it fine once i well, like it was yeah. one of those ones where was like i got all the answers i knew it was Croatia. I knew that it was right. moats. And I was like, what is wrong? Like, is there a word for moats that I don't know? Like, what is going? I did not get it until I was very deep into the puzzle. And I mean, so I, there's a, Friday, or a Thursday puzzle I completed in 48 minutes. I can't feel too bad about my time, but it just, I felt, ugh, I felt bad about it. I also don't think that the cereal box joke with oat in a box is a particularly good or clever enough joke to sustain that. I don't know. Uh, I think it was Croatia that was that gave it away for me, and I was like, "Oh, this must be a rebus because there's missing letters. There's just missing letters, which means I have to fill in the fucking letters." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, like, I put that in, and it worked, and worked with the cross. So I was like, "Oh, okay, so this must be the theme for this week." And then that made I didn't have the crosses box. on Croatia. That's the thing. I'm looking at it now. I didn't know who Hoover's rival was. I didn't know the apparatic daughter of the king, uh, um, uh, Aman Nasro. Those are going to be filled in by crosses with me anyway. Right. I was not going to get, I like, I, I, I just wasn't going to get it. So, um, and I did not know offhand where Dalmatia was, which is the, which is Croatia. So, so, yeah. So like, that's the thing. Um, we, we, uh, I did this with my wife, Christina, and she was like, I'm 90% sure that's Croatia. And I was like, right, right. Fa- the cross for that is facial feature named for an animal, which is like, right. The fuck is that? And it's like, Oh wait, if this is Croatia and this is then a rebus, then it's goatee. And that, that but was rebuses just were not, they're not right. in there. They're not where my no. brain goes. My brain will never go. Oh, this one tile can hold three letters. It's just not there. Like, right. It was only because like, Christina and her mom had traveled to Croatia right. recently, and she's you like, knew "I'm for like, sure that is. Yeah. I'm right. pretty sure right. we drove by that place. It has to right. be Croatia. What is happening?" I was like, "Oh, right. Sometimes this is a right. possibility, right? But, but without that factual information, this, I can absolutely see how this is going to be completely frustrating." Um, and it was, yeah, I think it very much depends on how clearly. You need that sort of like, here's a factual thing that cannot be anything else. It's not yeah, like, oh, there's yeah, a different totally. word for this. It's like, look, a place name. And like, that can be hard to pick the right place where enough people mm-hmm. will know it that it's like clear enough that people like get the first kind of the the the, the toe in on what the theme is. Right. Right. If right. it hadn't been for that, I feel like I would have been much more frustrated with it because the rest of them are kind of in more um, like, yeah, like the goat, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, the one, that could be so many was, other phrases or like a different word that I'm not thinking of, right? The one for me that was like, oh, this is a hard, yeah, this is, it's the Joyce Carol Oates one where Oates was the answer. It was like, that's her name. It has to be, 
Oh, okay. Right. I see. Right. <laughs> anyway, so I'm I'm anti Rebus only because it's so far from the front of my mind. I guess every Thursday yeah. now I I do now say, I got burned once, and so now I'm like, is this a, is Rebus? This a Rebus? It could be a Rebus. Yeah, yeah. it could be a I Rebus. Feel like so much of having done the crossword with alongside Chris Chris Remo and the other people who are now doing it because of his new series, yeah, yeah. Uh, has been learning those idiot like those idiosyncrasies of oh, the crossword, crossword. right like not even just like specific words but like um that like aren't in use right like right, things right, that right. are archaic but oh, they put atra. in yeah <laughs> yeah or atra rather the yeah razor i've or never the fact heard that they love use. odes it's like i've never heard the word ode yeah. as much in my life as in yeah, yeah. english class and this yeah. crossword <laughs> um but just like yeah it it it's kind of like looking back over uh the like completions like first two weeks we didn't complete anything without checking like the new york times app has a checker where it's like we would always hit a roadblock get to a point check it and be like oh shit there's one square that was off Off and that kind of unlocked the rest of the the crossword for us but then this last week just like whole week except for thursday done we did it got through without the checker like mm-hmm. getting better and better times and it's kind of wild how much the crossword builds on itself over any given like couple of weeks like there'll yeah. be you'll be primed for clues early on right mm-hmm. like there'll be like a clue where it's like oh i remember that fact because it was the answer two days ago and like it's now in the clue here things like yeah. that and it's just, like Wow, this really is a thing where they're they're building it to for an audience that is like keeping up and like you know playing it back to back to back. Because I yeah. feel like some of those things you're not going to pick up on unless you're like really kind of just tuned in in bu- that way. Yeah, totally. Um, I want to recommend two things. One is the July twenty fifth, twenty twenty one crossword puzzle, which you can uh, New York Times crossword specifically. Uh, which does have a rebus that I like. I love that puzzle. That puzzle is really cool. Uh, you can go watch Chris Remo do that. That's this crossword theme is out of this world on his channel. The other Chris Remo crossword solve I, I want to recommend is one from last week, a devious competition crossword. Lala, pu- Lala, Lala Puzzula. 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 <laughs> that had an, an incredible theme, an incredible gimmick where at the bottom okay so the, the the pitch on this on this without giving anything away with what what the solution is um it, it, the puzzle's name is connecting this might take a minute and on the screen it is all the across answer all the across clues are there but like you know 80% of the down clues have a little buffering like dot 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 as if they're loading in <laughs> as if you like hit a buffer <laughs> you know watching a video yeah um and the solution to how to solve this was incredibly fun and clever and um uh tied like very thematic uh i it, it, the the design of it was just great and it was it was really fun to see chris put it together um because it came together in a way that's like you remember last year when uh, was there was a video going around the uh, cracking the cryptic yeah. uh, miracle Sudoku, where like, well, this can't resolve this. I, I'll never do this. This seems like fake. This is a troll. And then like slowly realizing, like, I can't believe it. This, this is, is a real fucking this puzzle. Is working. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> I should also note that the the cracking the cryptic. One of the cracking the cryptic guys is playing through the witness, a huh. game. I have, I have very, I've. Very different feelings about the like 
ideological content in that game and the puzzle design in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is that is a game built for Sudoku experts to go play. <laughs> and again, seeing seeing uh, the dude who's doing that play that game uh, and like have his mind blown by puzzle design is very nice. Uh, whatever I fucking think about John Blow and John Blow's games and, and worldview uh, that I've never seen a game more made for a person like this is the person <laughs> who the witness was built for and seeing that joy crosses his face is very good. Um, right. Speaking of joy crossing faces, we should get into some, some, some Christmas gift. Uh-oh. We got more. We oh got boy. more. <laughs> the gift course continues. Hi there, says John in Florida. I'm listening to the pod while finishing up work while y'all are talking about Christmas morning gifts. When Austin stated his story about slightly tearing at the presents under the tree, I finally felt seen. I did the same thing. Christmas 1996, I woke up around 2 a.m. or so and went to the tree to examine the gift hoard. I figured my parents hadn't noticed Santa's delivery yet, so I decided to move the gifts to my room in a nice pile and ripped a small hole in each of the presents. Power Rangers Megazord, sweet. Shirts and shorts, ugh. Secret of Evermore for the SNES, awesome, even though we'd already rented it several times already. RC racing car track, super cool, etc. Anyway, I was satisfied that Santa did good by me and I went back to sleep. That Christmas morning, I tried my best to sell the, look what Santa did. He dropped the toys off in my room. So convenient. What a guy. Needless to say, my parents were not thrilled and decided I needed to be punished uh, for this. So I was made by choice. I was made to choose a toy to give back. (laughs) It was one of the most painful Christmas mornings in memory, but I never did get to play with the awesome RC car set. However, I did have a blast playing through Secret of Evermore most of that day. I certainly didn't try to pull this move again on the following christmas lessons learned thanks for everything that's that a wonderful. take care yeah that's great shout out to, that's a that's a great all right give them back to, yeah. sorry yeah. this one's wow. santa needs it what do we <laughs> not all because you know because you, you could you could go over and be like you know right, you're not getting you're not getting any of this shit mm-hmm. it's like no mm-hmm. just pick one that's good because that's pain it's just painful enough that yeah you the kid feels the sting without you know completely botching you know mm-hmm. christmas mm-hmm. that's good I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bank that one. <laughs> Elizabeth in Denver says, Dear Waypoint crew, with all the talk around gift-giving surprises and the pitfalls therein, I thought I would offer up my family's solution to the issue, which I haven't heard mentioned on the pod as of yet. Many times throughout my childhood and still into my adulthood, my family would wrap a small box, anywhere from a ring box to a shoe, shoe box sized, and place it under the tree. Now, maybe mom got me some new shoes this year, but a small box of jewelry? Those always showed up in bigger boxes to have the gift be a surprise. Adding to the mystery, these smaller boxes are often filled with tiny, rattly things like beads or rocks or dense, heavy things like bigger rocks. But inside the box was no gift, just some beads or rocks and a note which would instruct you to go look in the storage room in the basement or check inside uh, of the dryer or look inside of your own closet. This is how I received many gifts that would have been obvious under wrapping paper, Mm. most recently a new desk chair. Extra points if you gave directions on where to look in the form of a rhyming poem, like, the gift you seek is not inside. Instead, look to where clothes are dried, etc. <laughs> the act good. of forcing someone up and away from the main crowd to somewhere else in the house always feels exciting, and wrapping a weird small box that is oddly heavy when lifted still gives that utter confusion that you love to see on Christmas morning. Thanks for the pod. Love you all. Elizabeth in Denver. My grandmother on my mom's side initiated a thing where I don't know what holiday this was even for. I don't think it was for Christmas, but it was like for the kids. She would it was a, it was Easter because it was an Easter egg hunt, but the hunt was that she had like little plastic Easter eggs that she would put riddles inside of that would lead you on a sort of 
like uh uh what's the word i'm looking for there's a word for this sort of hunt this sort of like clue to clue to clue style of hunt um uh where you go around the house and like you have to solve the puzzle to figure out where the next easter egg would be mm. that would then have another puzzle that would lead you to the next easter egg and eventually it would lead you an easter egg with like 20 bucks in it you know what i mean it was <laughs> that was the reward for doing it uh but that was really fun that was that was a fun way of of doing that i don't know that i would i i i maybe maybe it's something i've done with like a christmas gift before but i can't think of anything that's like that big on that i've done in terms of hiding it or or misdirection you know no yeah we haven't done like our the like my oldest is getting old yeah. enough that you could start gesturing like you know, the closest we so she's talked about bunk beds for years Ooh. and uh just Kids love bunk beds that's just yeah uh-huh uh, yeah just yeah, loves too. the idea of like two beds and i get it 100 percent. and i you know, she's, yeah she's like oh you know when my sister's older and older we can sleep in the same room i was like man i don't i don't know how you're gonna feel about your sister when you're seven and she's two and a half and yeah. you know i we'll, we'll see look that would be awesome we, we would get back another room in the house you know yeah, i'm sure you, you would know, love it Patrick. yeah i just don't <laughs> i just don't know how you're gonna feel about that um yeah. you guys are just three and a half years apart and that's that can be tough but um so but uh that was you know we leave like the family to get like the tiny trinket yeah you know, gifts for for the kids and then we try and take the the bigger swings like which one of those was the the bunk bed and so we let her she didn't sleep with us we really try to not do that but we let it was like hey you get to sleep and you know you're gonna turn five tomorrow you can sleep in mommy and daddy's room and we'll you know move you later and she like thought that was a big deal um and then i spent you know two and a half hours building this this bunk bed uh-huh. um building that and then we also in in her room at some point previous owners uh like dug out part of the wall and put in some wood to kind of create like a changing table. And it was huh. very convenient when Jessica when was younger. Was, right. And then when we weren't changing them anymore, it was like, there's just a hole in the wall, like this nook that is like, what do we, what do you do with it? Um, yeah. And it was mostly just like, we'd put <laughs> junk up there uh, and just ignore it. Um, and then we finally, that was my wife's task while I was building the, the, the bunk beds was she, we got a ladder like that we, because it's a giant slab of wood, we could nail like parts of the ladder into it so that you can actually climb it. So you can, she can oh. climb her way into the nook. And we got like a curtain, one of those like turning curtain rods that you can like tighten up against kind of, sometimes you'll do it in a shower where it's like, right. you're not drilling it into the wall. You're just like turning the pieces of plastic. So they suction up against the wall. So she's got a curtain and then we got like these led lights that you can like, you know, change with a control pad. And That's she's got cute. like a, she's got an area to do all of her tiny Legos because the baby cannot be trusted not to swallow them, but just like she'll just run off with the tiny pieces right, and right. like wreck the thing that she's been building. <laughs> so then anyway, we did all that, you know, like 1245 by the time we actually all finished it. And then it was fun to wake up and be like, hey, could you go get something from your room? And right. like she just opens rooms. She's like the the five year old equivalent of what the fuck? Um, <laughs> like she didn't even do like the really excited reaction because she was so taken a befuddled what like, happened to my room and then <laughs> it dawned upon her that like oh my god it's the bank beds and oh my god there's a ladder i can climb on and that was that's incredible. that was a lot of that was a lot you get, of so you, yeah, it's great. not just the one bunk bed it's not just the one there's two ladders in that room now is what you're telling there's two yeah there's two ladders i mean wow. one's pretty tiny um <laughs> and then and then the benefit of the, the bunk bed is that uh you know usually we sleep with her for about 10 minutes until she like nods right, off and right. now i'm like i'm not 
I mean, I tell her it's not built for my weight. That's not true. Your dad's a skinny motherfucker. He could, <laughs> he could technically go up there. But what I tell her is I'm I'm not allowed to go up there and yeah. so that she can put herself to to sleep. But that like surprise stuff is 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 really That's fun. Nice. It, That's it'll be my, it, my wife is very good at the the like look, I can put together the bunk bed. She's very good at the planning stuff. Like that those are like we we know our strengths and weaknesses <laughs> and uh-huh. like doing the more elaborate mystery stuff i i I think my kid would be into that and so i'm excited to do stuff like that when she's yeah that'll be good that'll be good carter of california writes in i love i love that they signed this carter of california you know what we should let's make this just start mandating that yeah (laughs) patrick of illinois uh hello waypoint crew i didn't think i had a gifting a gift giving gone wrong story until i remembered my mom's accidental accidental introduction to gaming as an older brother, it was common for me to pass on my outgrown possessions to my siblings. So when I got a DSi, naturally my old DS was passed down. The problem is my younger siblings are twins, so there isn't a clear hierarchy for possessions to be passed mm-hmm. down. My sister was apparently more convincing in her arguments for wanting to play Animal Crossing Wild World, and they gave it to her and got her a used copy of the game. My parents got a used DS from my brother, and I was able to convince them to get two used copies of Wild World so we could all play together. Three devices, three games, no problems, right? My mom decided to get creative and surprise my brother. She sat in the living room and started playing on his DS and waited for him to notice, which didn't take long. She told him she saw her sister playing and thought she'd get one so she could play herself. So he sat by her and helped her start playing. He was a little hurt by it, but my mom kept trying to get him excited by dropping increasingly stronger hints that it was his console. My brother was a very patient nine-year-old, and my mom kept trying to get a little excitement out of him by continuing to make decisions about the town in Animal Crossing waiting for him to protest. This resulted in my mom becoming the town mayor and finding out that she liked video games. My brother finally realized it was supposed to be his DS and game. It was understandably a little hurt, but it all worked out. She had since moved on to PC gaming. We'll play Minecraft together until she was really into No Man's Sky before her GPU crapped out just before the great chip shortage. We did all enjoy New Horizons together, and despite the fact that my brother was a, uh, was a senior in high school, they still took turns on his Switch playing Animal Crossing. Aww. Was this surprise? Was this a surprise gift giving gone wrong? Not really, but it definitely didn't go as expected. Uh, that's incredible. That's yeah. Well, that's that's similarly, that's the best outcome. My uh, my mom, no interest in in video games. Like, didn't that didn't change even as like that slowly became like a burgeoning career for me, but. The one exception is Tetris um, and Ooh. where it got to a point where she had a borderline of a problem where like I got a Game Boy uh, as a kid and she would like we would leave and she'd be like, I'm going to sit down and play Tetris. And she would just like blink and it was four hours later and like she hadn't done anything to the point where she before I went to school, she's like, I need you to hide the Game Boy. Like just go put it somewhere, right. like where I'm right. not going to be able to find it. And she's like, I just can't. It's like I cannot be trusted. And uh I remember when we got the uh, the Super Scope for the Super Nintendo. That thing required so many fucking batteries inside it, like <laughs> like and like the giant thick ones, like the D's or whatever. Um, there was like eight of them in there. It was like felt like eight for, for my age. I have no idea how many, but it was it was a lot. And those batteries are expensive. And these were before devices turned themselves off. Um, right. And so it was very easy to just leave the super scope on and right. completely drain these expensive batteries. Um, and one time that happened and 
it was like, well, who the fuck did it? Was it like me? Was it my brother? Like there were right. a lot of fingers getting pointed. And then my mom came in to ask like why we were fighting. And then she realized that while we were at school, she was playing Blastress, which is a <laughs> super scope uh, right. Tetris game. Incredible. What? Good game. The super scope was awesome. Fucking loved that thing. Um, and she apologized, bought us new batteries and then said, well, clearly I can't be trusted with this either. And <laughs> it's very funny. It's very, very funny. Um, we got a quick, a quick, you know, a note of note of order. Um, mm. we won. We got a lot of Ava questions that came in too late. So if your Ava question is not on our Ava pod, which comes out tomorrow on Wednesday on the Waypoint Plus feed, waypointplus.com to go listen to that. Um, sorry, but we recorded that a week ago and we did not get those questions until after that pod, but we'd only gotten a few questions as of when the, the those pods were recorded. Uh, a lot of a lot of decent questions. But I, I will say, by and large, a lot of the questions people asked are topics we hit anyway. So but apologies for not for not for those not coming in earlier, I guess. Um the second is we got a lot of answers to Rob uh asked about if you were working in AI and machine learning, what uh what does ethical AI or machine learning research look like we're gonna save those until rob gets back that's a that's a that's a rob's acting thing but i do want to read this one because it ended up being relevant to today's conversation in a way <laughs> uh so i'll raise this last this last thing before we, we we head out uh jesse writes in and says hello waypoint crew i've been working in machine learning for the last six years and had some thoughts about the ethical uses of machine learning first off anytime someone uses the term ai i immediately assume they're trying to sound pompous some people genuinely research artificial intelligence but the vast majority are just trying to make machine learning sound pretentious same thing with deep learning it's almost always just com computational statistics personally my main concerns with machine learning are consent and intention. I don't know that most users are informed enough to consent to their data usage, but I am okay with getting more targeted ads for local farms. I see this as a logistical extension of, ex of existing advertising, and I'm skeptical that these ads do a great job tricking people into purchases beyond what advertising in the 90s could accomplish. On the other hand of the spectrum, I am not okay with facial recognition used broadly in law enforcement. I did not give my consent and intention to often uh, – I did not give my consent and the intention is often to harass protesters. There is a land grab for data right now uh, so that the government, companies, and police can normalize using our data so that we don't protest when we find out. Another good example comes from my previous industry of car insurance. Credit score is still used uh, is used to raise premiums on people with poor credit history. While having lower credit score is predictive of more car crashes, this practice still amounts to a tax on the poor. Some states like California outlaw this practice, but it is used in nearly every other state. My personal feeling is that the only ethical way to make these predictive statistical models is to include indicators of groups that might be harmed in the model explicitly and then examine how implementing the model would hurt those groups. There are a lot of ways to create statistical models that say, for instance, black people are less likely to repay this loan, but unless we force companies to actually show us the harm done, then they can always claim it as a side effect of systemic factors outside of their control. Having regulatory groups force this kind of transparency as they do for car insurance in California might help, but the default right now is for these models to reinforce existing structural biases. I recently switched jobs to a company that uses network data to predict when companies of companies or government agencies are being hit by a ransomware attack. The consent and intention is much clearer in, these in this case, but obviously we have customers like big oil companies and the less popular government agencies. I'm not fooling myself into thinking I'm using my powers for 
good while the rest of the machine world machine learning world is evil but i feel a little bit better than i would uh developing a gotcha game or building financial models thanks jesse uh, interesting. I, the, the the credit score thing here is is a really clear, like obvious example of this. Where like, yeah, the the ways in which, um, you know, data sets are used to justify the structural ways in which people are already oppressed. Mm-hmm. The ways that like, you know, oh oh, word, is it true that black that black folks are are less likely to repay loans? What is the relationship between blackness and you know wealth and debt in this country? Where does that come from, etc.? But a lot of folks will look to uh, these these sort of machine learning uh, uh, data sets or or look at like you know the, the kind of predictive models and say, well, this just makes it. This is just this is just the fact of the matter. Um, and in many ways, that is just an extension of the same sort of bad science that happened for centuries around around uh kind of justifying racist uh and, and otherwise uh, oppressive um policies right it's like oh well in many ways this is an extension of the like oh black people do more crime type of right. shit that you saw in in uh throughout the, the 20th century right um so jesse thank you for writing in and sharing that that perspective uh, we again, we have a bunch more machine learning things here, and and some other really interesting things. But since Rob asked that question, I would I would like to wait until until Rob gets back. Um. All right. We do have that waypoint, uh, or that that uh, Ava podcast coming in the feed tomorrow. So look forward to that in the Waypoint Plus feed. Um. Uh. Again, you can get that by going to waypointplus.com, subscribing there. Waypoint Plus is also allowing us to finish Super Metroid this week. We we're very close. We had a good yeah. stream last week. Hit a, hit a bit of a roadblock, but we pushed through it. I think we're really up on it at this point. We're really at the end of the road. Yeah, we're we're yeah we're we're at the end to the point where we had to promise the stream that we'll, hey, we'll do another stream hour. and we'll find something else to do for a little bit <laughs> so that it's not like a fifteen minute stream. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I mean, you look just forward gotta to that. get a hundred percent right. Backtrack through and find all the- <laughs> find all the missiles. Like, yeah, it doesn't. That's that's the thing. Is like at this point, it doesn't feel like there's much that I've. I, maybe I've missed a lot. Maybe there's something big I missed. I'm curious, I guess, if there's something. I mean, we did miss. Let's, you know, let's save it for the Waypoint 101. Yeah. There's stuff that we didn't know about that's in this yeah. game that is very well, funny yep. to know is in this game. Yeah, there are un- unteachable moves that are just <laughs> yeah. basically cheat codes. They're just cheat codes. Exactly. Exactly. Um, anyway, uh, look forward to that stream. And then we will be doing the Waypoint 101 for Super Metroid this week after this podcast goes out. You should write in gaming at vice.com super metric question in the subject so that we have questions for that waypoint 101 where we talk about that game and and uh, my experience playing it and our experience together <laughs> playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so you yeah, send those in uh, as soon as you can. Uh, until then, that's going to do it for us. You can follow us on Twitter at waypoint uh, twitch.tv slash waypoint uh, waypoint.vice.com. You follow me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. Where can people find you, Patrick? At Patrick Klopik. Cotto. At a underscore Cotto underscore appears. Thank you to Bowen for letting us use the track Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Find out more about that at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. As always, shout outs to uh, the incredible Waypoint community. Uh, uh, there's been a lot of fun stuff happening over on the forums and the Discord. You can go to the forums at, at discourse.zone or forum.waypoint.vice.com, I want to say is, is right. I always just go to discourse.zone. <laughs> um, uh, and then uh, from there, if you're interested in getting to the, the Discord, there's there's links there on explaining how to do that. Um, uh, so shout out to everyone in the moderation team and everybody in the community. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us until later this week. 
Fuck capitalism. Go home. Peace. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.